when you saw that time code and you said, wait a second, this pod's three hours? Has there been a misprint? Let me tell you something. It's not a misprint. We're about to do NBA over-unders. It's the annual tradition. It's my holiday present to you coming up next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about five o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. Book of Basketball is on hiatus until the end of football season, and then we'll finish season three. But the Rewatchables is coming back on Tuesday night doing uh, Born Identity, me and Chris Ryan. So stay tuned for that. If you missed me and Cousin Sal on Sunday night's pod talking NFL, that is there. I have one more podcast coming this week. It will be uh, Christmas Day. Be dropping on there. We're about to do the big, the massive, the longest podcast of the year. NBA over-unders first. Pearl Jam! All right, it's annual over-unders pod. Joe House is here. I think it's like the 11th or 12th straight year that we've done this, dating back to the even pre-Grantland days. We tried to pick, uh, we looked at all the win totals. We'd go over and under for each one. Um, then we would forget who we'd pick, and then some weirdo on the internet would have a whole list of how we did, and, and we would always be fascinated. We would always, we'd get like somewhere between 18 and 20 right and 10 badly wrong with do locks a couple years ago we added Rosillo to the mix much like uh when the rock was added to fast and furious so it's the three of us we're going to go through all these teams the big wrinkle this year house has a calculator Rosillo has memorized all this beautiful mind style the win percentage key where instead of 82 games it's 72 games so when you have an over under like the Lakers, which is 40 and a half and Rosilla, you look that at that reflexively, you go oh, over, but then you have to be like, oh, wait a second. Is that 48 and a half is really 57. So are you comfortable with the math? Yeah. After a while, I mean, at first you're going, God, oh, that's a low number for the bulls. And then you go, oh, all right. Right. So you just got to keep reminding yourself, but you're right. Yeah. 48 and a half, 49 wins, depending on where you looked at it. There's definitely some variance out there. Because I was looking mm. at different, there's some teams where there's like a two two game variance on their total number. So if you're out there shopping, you can find it. And house, you know, COVID depressing. We're headed to the holidays. It's worse than ever. 
basketball's back and ga- and we get to gamble on a whole bunch of things. Have you been satisfied with the gambling options heading into it, opening night? It's an absolute Christmas miracle. Not only do we have <laughs> the NFL turning the corner, we're right uh, in the face of, of playoff NFL football, but basketball is starting every single bet that I love to make and lose MVP rookie of the year, all these over-unders, all the division winners. I can't wait to give out a whole bunch of losers. So we're going to do the West and we're going to talk about for a couple teams. We'll go a little deeper. We have over-under, we have division, we have conference title playoffs. I'm not going to go through every odds because we want to try to keep this two hours or less, but there's some really fun opportunities. And um, the big thing with the answer key for the win percentage. So I, I laid this out. I sent this to you guys for people listening at home. If it's a higher win total. So let's say you're a 60 win team in a normal season. That's 52 wins in this season. So when you see something like the Lakers at 48.5, that translates to about 55 wins. So I'm just going to rip this off really quick. 65 wins equals 57 in this season. 60 equals 52. 55 equals 48. 50 equals 44. 45 equals 40. 41 equals 36. So for example, Atlanta, their over-under is 36 and a half. That basically means, do you think the Hawks will be a 500 team or not? Uh, 35 wins is 31. 30 wins is 26. 25 wins is 21. And 19 wins is 16. So there you go. We're going to do the West first. The Lakers are 48 and a half. They are minus 140 to win the division. They are plus 140 to win the conference, plus 270 to win the title. This, I'm going to, I'll start us off. This seems low to me because they're deep. And I I don't know whether this Taylor Horton Tucker thing is real. I know Rosillo has been in a bunker studying all the uh, preseason tapes of him. But if he actually turns out to be a viable dude, they added Harrell, they added Schroeder, Wes Matthews replaces Danny Green, basically. Marcus Gasol's kind of looming. I hate the Lakers. I don't see any scenario where they're not the best regular season team in the league unless LeBron um, basically takes 25% of the season off. What do you see, Rosillo? Yeah, the number actually feels low uh, because they're clearly the favorites. Now, you can pick somebody else. I'm all for people trying to, you know, maybe you just don't want to go chalk and say, hey, we're going to have a repeat again. We got real used to that with Cleveland and Golden State for a while, so you want to try to do something different. Tons of respect for you. But right now, you're lying to yourself if you think any other team on paper is better than the Lakers. It's just it's just not true. And I think the depth part of it, Schroeder, I like better than the combination of offensive Avery Bradley, zero offensive Avery Bradley. You know, playoff Rondo exists because r- regular season Rondo exists. Um, and the Dwight JaVale thing worked out way better than we thought it would because Dwight just shut up the whole season and catch lobs and gave you some energy, even though at times it was sort of annoying fake energy where I think even Frank Vogel in the playoffs was like, relax, they didn't bring him back. So the depth here is terrific. The THT thing is hilarious because he lit it up in the preseason, but if you really watch him, he's actually kind of slow and everything is below the rim. And it works. And he also reads things real well in the half court. So I'm not knocking. It's just one of those years you're like, okay, this is why his profile wasn't higher coming in. So the only way you look at this number, I mean, if Caruso's a third stringer on this team, that's saying something. They bring back Kuzma, which I think is more of a trade-friendly contract than it is a Kuzma-friendly contract, Agreed. which is I'm shocked he signed that. 
but maybe he realizes, hey, my my numbers may go down even more with more depth. I know so everybody it was, loves it was Montrez. Three for forty, three for forty, three but he has 40. a player option for the third year. Yeah, exactly. But then when you look around and see what other guys are getting, I mean, Isaac's got a blown ACL and he's getting twenty million a year. Now, look, I'd rather have Jonathan Isaac a million times over just because of who he could be than Kuzma. But the point is, I'm rattling off all these guys. There's just more depth. There's more options. They could throw more things at you. But I think it gets back to your initial point. LeBron and AD probably coast more now with this compressed schedule, knowing who they already are, that I would still take the under, even though the number seems low in comparison to a normal 82-game season. So, House, my counter to that would be Harrell is somebody that I do feel like if Davis took the night off, you can ride him against some random team, right? They're playing OKC, and it's like, oh, cool. Harrell's going to, well, you know, we'll run pick and rolls with Harrell, and he'll have 28 points tonight, and we can make it. They can make up offense in ways that they couldn't last year. And even if Horton Tucker is somebody that could be the Karis LeVert for this team coming off the bench, um, I don't know. I, I, I think this team is deep. I think Davis, one of my predictions is I do think Davis is going to make an MVP run, whether it happens or not. I see LeBron doing the thing that where he really tries to push the Davis narrative because LeBron's going to play 75, 80% of the season. I'm sure he's going to be resting for the, uh, for the playoff piece of it. But I could see the Davis thing becoming a storyline. House, I know you're drifting toward the over, but make the case one way or the other. Yeah, I'm not drifting. I'm way hard on the over. I'm biting down hard. I'm, I'm chomping at it. I mean, I you know, I I did uh, uh, burn a little sage in here to keep myself nice and 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 calm <laughs> and cool. But I can't be calm and cool when it comes to this Lakers number. I, I think even with those guys, LeBron and Davis, taking turns on resting through the course of the season, we've just talked about how deep they are. They're ready for, for sort of everything across the board in terms of style of play, you know, letting role players arise to the fore, building to a playoff team that, I mean, there's a great reason that they're the uh, uh, favorite to win the NBA title. And I'm not going to bet it because I don't like the odds, but I don't have another team ahead of them. I'm biting down hard on the over here. One other thing to mention with this, we see this happen sometimes with the champion the year after. And I remember the, the Celtics were like this, where the next year they have that championship kind of the pedigree slash confidence and they kind of embrace the title defense piece of it, you know? And I actually could see them doing this because one of the one of the crucial things is they added some new characters. Sometimes teams don't do that. Sometimes they just it's like, hey, here's the same team again. Guys get bored. I think that affected the Cavaliers a couple times there uh, in the mid 2010s. But um, I like that they have new characters that are be hungry to prove themselves. And even getting somebody like Harrow, who's kind of pissed off with how it went with the Clippers. Somebody like Schroeder, who was this throwing in the Carmelo trade and was like this kind of quote unquote bad contract. He's got something to prove. Uh, I so you see a swagger with them potentially this year or no? I'm going to go more on the LeBron part of this because now that he knows exactly what he has, to, he doesn't he doesn't have to get on these guys the same way. I mean, LeBron is Belichick in the sense that if you are a certain way, you have a certain personality approach. Well, as soon as you go to New England, well, at least when Brady was still there, you were just going to handle yourself differently. And I think Dwight is a great example of that. Like I expect Dwight to be annoying again in Philadelphia because there's no one there other than Doc to tell him to shut up. Where LeBron, yeah. you're just not going to get away with that kind of stuff. And that's the part of the Dwight transaction that, again, I can't believe I'm talking about Dwight this much. I'll let it go. But that part of the transaction, you have to factor in. So when you look back to 16, they win the title. The next year, the Cavs come back, go 51 and 31. 
they they were the two seed. They smashed Boston. Really, Boston is the one seed. That was one of the more weird 53-win one seeds. It's probably one of the worst one seeds we've ever seen. But let's go to the next year because 17-18, Cleveland was a four seed. Do you remember that team? They went to seven games in the first rounds with the Pacers. They went to seven games. We just knew they weren't as good yet. But I'd expect, even though this is the best team, I'm expecting the Lakers to repeat with the oddity of the season and the way LeBron has handled these things in the past, especially with another year you know, his guy's got to get old at some point. It doesn't seem like it's happening anytime soon. That's the approach I would go with with this number. So you over or under? Under. Okay. House and I are both over. I'm going to make, Kyle, get the get the video ready for this. I'm going to make a really important point here. You ready? I wish we should have important point music. Where it's like, <laughs> I have an important point. I don't know if I, I haven't heard this elsewhere, but I, I really, I really feel strongly about this. So LeBron has four. And you think about like the Brady run that Brady had where he won the three. Then there was the drought. Then it all turns with Seattle. And then he gets the three and all of a sudden he's at six, right? If you're LeBron, you're looking at this and you're like, holy shit, I can actually catch MJ now. I have the best team this year. My, te- my team this year is actually better than last year's team. I am not afraid of anybody in either conference. We can get to five. And I think part of it has to be with the regular season. You don't want to have like that 2017 Cavs. We went 51 and 31 and we were up and down and, you know, leaking stuff to reporters. I'm disappointed in this guy, that guy. I think you want to set the tone the whole season. I think you want to build these dudes up and you got guys like Court and Tucker and Schroeder and you build these guys up, have them carry little pieces of the regular season schedule while knowing like you're waiting for this playoff thing. You're building up Davis or like Davis is the best player in the league. He should win the MVP, even though, you know, deep down you're the MVP. I think all this is about five because once he gets to five, if he, if he pulls it off this year, now he's one away. And if he can tie MJ, the argument's kind of over. Like even me, I think MJ is the best player I've ever seen. If LeBron gets to six titles and plays for 20 plus years and has every record in the books, at some point it's going to be an unassailable career. House, I, I, I never thought we'd... S- we'd say we saw a better player than Jordan, but if he's going to do this for two solid decades, I don't know what to do. No, it's, it's look, he already has an unassailable career and all that we're doing now is, is, you know, creating that, um, extra layer of, of, of legacy. He will, he will always to me be one B and that's fine. MJ's the best player I ever saw. MJ never lost in a finals. I mean, that that's it. I don't need to have any more discussions with anybody about but, any of but it. But Brady, Brady was in that one B mode until he went until basically the Atlanta game. And Rosillo, we came out of that Falcon Super Bowl and it was like Brady's the GOAT. He's the best. It, it is doable. He LeBron's now in range where some things could happen over the next couple of years where we could leave this going. He's the best. Stop it. Nobody's doing that again. We're never seeing that again, but he has to get to six titles, I feel like. Okay, but now all he has to do is win two more titles at age 36 and 37. So um, I understand what you're saying here, and and you're not necessarily wrong. And there's been scholars that have argued that LeBron's already closer in the conversation because his last two titles were the toughest titles in the history of the finals. That was I didn't support that comment by him. He said it, by the way. It wasn't it wasn't scholars. He's, he said it. I'll give him 16. I know, I know. Right. Here's here's what we may need to remind terrible. ourselves. Because on paper, as good as it looks right now, and I'm but should we also remind ourselves of what it was like during the regular season? 
that it felt like every month you were changing your mind between Lakers and Clippers if you were a neutral observer of it. But and don't that, you feel like this is a much better Laker team than the one they had last year? You mentioned like Dwight, JaVale, uh, the Ron, I do think Rondo it's Bradley oh, yeah. thing. This yeah. team is just better. No, it definitely is better, but it also was a team last year that wasn't one of the all-time greats either. I mean, the other part right. of it too, entering the playoffs, I mean, who cares? It was the bubble. Um, but they, it was one of those little reminders. You're like, how come this team isn't playing better? And I'm supposed to pick them to win the championship. Like, I don't know what to do with them. We could just put that aside. Bad shooting bubble, not a big deal. They knew exactly who they were. I just think even though I get your whole, let's go out there and crush them from game one on, I don't think many guys are wired that way. And knowing the quick turnaround here, I bet you LeBron's going to be more in pace mode than he is going to be. I need to set the tone from game one because he's but, thinking about how his body, like he's very calculated with the way he even approaches like a 10 game stretch where he'll kind of understand like, like there are Lakers games where I've seen him take off three quarters offensively yet still end up with 28 points because he's that fucking good. But, but I think the difference, tell. the difference with this year's team is he can play 58 out of the 72 games and they can actually replace a lot of his production with the team they have this year. Last year, they couldn't when the, when he wasn't on the floor last year, it was really hard for them. And, you know, especially if Kuzma is a little bit better. House, you buying Kuzma stock or no? No, I don't. But I don't need to buy it. That's the beauty of what they've uh, set up here. I mean, he he's fine. He, they have him in exactly the role that they need him. And they've convinced him to take uh, an, an under market contract to, to fill that role. I only need the Lakers to win two thirds of their games to get right. the over here. So 49, 49 and 23. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah, that's it. I, it's not more complicated than that. To you're me. asking for a 57 win season. And you know what? That's not a massive stretch. Um, I know we've gone probably too long in the Lakers, but there's one last thing I want to mention off of Coos. We spent a lot of time, if we had doubts about the Lakers, asking who the third guy was all the time. If you look around the league right now, we kept asking about that third guy because of who Golden State was, then because of who the, the Miami Heat were, and then what Cleveland was once he brought Love in and returned there with Kyrie. There's not really that three that scares you anymore. So we kept looking at the Lakers, wondering who the third piece was. Like it was mandatory for us to consider you a real title threat to have that third guy. You don't really need it. You don't need it because you're not facing that Heat team. You're not facing that Warriors team or even that Cleveland team when things are right in 16. So it's an important thing to remember about all of these teams' chances. Stop using the where's their third guy argument against us. And that was the lesson in the Lakers last year. You know, off that point, I think that was a third guy kind of stretch we just had for the league. But now I, I think the talent is more equally spread exactly. out. And if anything, like the LeBron Davis thing has created this kind of new thing that you have to measure yourself against where it's like, if, if you're playing them in a playoff series, can you handle that team physically? And I think we saw a lot of teams this year look at, look at how the Lakers were built and try to figure out, well, if we're putting together a team this offseason, ultimately we have to beat that team, which was the same way people looked at the Warriors forever, right? How do we beat the Warriors? Well, we need to do this. We need smart team. We need to be flexibility. We need wings that can switch on D. And now people look at that Lakers team and, and like if I'm a team like Portland. That's what the um, Pistons did. <laughs> right. Yeah. The Pistons, <laughs> you know, they get plumly. But a team like like Portland, you you just have to look at, all right, is our crunch time team, if we're playing the Lakers, in playoff series, and we have Nurkic and Covington and Gary Trent and Lillard and McCollum, do we have a chance against the Lakers? Like, House, the answer is probably not, right? You're going to be too small. So now you have to play like Zach Collins or maybe you luck out with Harry Giles or whatever. But 
unless you're malleable enough to be to get bigger with them, you're gonna be in trouble. We're we're in agreement. I, I'm okay. I'm ready to stop talking about the Lakers. Well, they're the most important team this year, and I hated that entire conversation, but we had to do it. <laughs> uh, let's you're take a break. Though. We'll get to the rest of the teams. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. All right, we're going to have a better pace going forward. Clippers their over-under, for some reason, is also 48 and a half. They're plus 125 to win the division, plus 280 for the conference, plus 650 for the title. Intriguing, plus 1,600 not to make the playoffs. So I was trying to think <laughs> what would have to happen there. You'd have to, at least you'd have to, somebody, one of their best two guys would have to have like a three-week COVID departure, and then one of the other guys would have to get injured. But I do think... One of the West teams that you think, oh, they'll definitely make the playoffs. Something weird is going to happen in the West because the West is deep. But uh, they basically flipped Harrell for Ibaka. They, uh, House, did you agree with paying $128 million over the next four years for Luke Kennard and Marcus Morris? Because I did not. <laughs> um, I don't like anything that the, the Clippers did. <laughs> and I can't wait to bang this under. And I'm going to, I mean, I, this is a hard, I, I had a hard over for the Lakers. This is a hard under for me. With the Clippers. You look at that starting roster. You sent this around. Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, fine, fine, fine. Marcus Morris, Serge Ibaka. And then Reggie Jackson, Lou well, Williams. Well, the bench. Luke. The bench is what kills me. Reggie Jackson, Lou Williams, who is the worst player in the playoffs every year. Luke Kennard, who's never been in a playoff game. Nick Batum, who's been the worst player of the league for two years. And Zubats. Um, I don't like the bench at all. I don't understand why their chemistry is going to be better this year. You have any insight on that, Rosillo? Why is their chemistry going to be better this year? Okay, they still won a lot of games last year, though. And I was wondering if this number was going to be too low because there's a national Lakers-Clippers thing here where now it's a massive Clippers hangover where everybody just thinks they suck because they finally Guilty. started paying, right, they started paying <laughs> attention to them. Paul George. So, you know... One of my things, whenever like a college coach is struggling, you're like this guy, and you go, you know, he's not going five and seven. He's winning nine games. Yes, he's not winning the conference. So, as soon as I saw, it, I was like, Vegas is on it. They're on it. This this number is a good number. Um, I'm going to go under because of the Kawhi part of it, and that I think that's just part of the deal with him. The weird part too is, you know, Kawhi's future in general. I know they redid the Paul George thing. I don't like the Morris deal, but the Morris deal was kind of because of the way the rights work on it, one of those deals you have to actually overpay for a guy you know you're overpaying for instead of losing the asset for nothing. I like Kennard a little bit more than others do. And by the way, I like Serge Ibaka better than Montrez in this. So I'm not So that's the, the one Clippers. I back right. on that. I feel I feel the same way. I don't the 64 million for Marcus Morris, I thought was reprehensible. I I really I thought that was one of the worst contracts of the offseason. And Kennard, I I kind of wanted to see it. Can we can we see him like 
run crunch time a couple times for this Clippers team before we're giving them $64 million. I just think they've been irresponsible with the way they've spent money and, and traded away picks and all that stuff. And everything is win now, win now, win now. I don't think they're better than the Lakers. Like newsflash, you're going to lose the Lakers in the playoffs with this team. That's how I feel. I'd rather have a Baca than than Montrez, which I don't think anybody thinks right now. And maybe that's just I, seeing, I, I, really? I agree with you. Oh, yeah. I think that yeah. too. Yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah. I, that's I I agree as well. I thought everybody was kind of on that boat. I mean, Wait, I, I all of us agree bias. on that. Wow. Yeah, we all okay. agree. I thought Ibaka was really good for Toronto in the in the Celtics series. I couldn't believe they didn't play him more. I thought he was one of their best players. I was that's I was that's so also happy when he wasn't out there. A funny thing with the Gasol deal. Look, they got him at minimum money. It's not a big deal. Good for the Lakers. Throw another big body out there. But every Gasol minute in that Toronto Boston series was a win for Boston. If if they played Ibaka more, they probably win that series. Well, you know the thing with Gasol though, he at least knows where to go and what to do defensively. Yeah, totally. And the metrics on him were still pretty good defensively. And he's not Dwight Howard. So you you go with those three things. Uh we're all going under for the Clippers. I uh I thought that one of the most interesting sneaky things that happened over the last five weeks was that Paul Port- Paul uh, George contract extension. Because we've seen them do this. They did it to Blake Griffin. They're like, cool. Max, here you go, man. You're going to be here for a long time. And then as soon as they could uh, shank Blake Griffin, they did. They got his ass out of there and turned him into some assets. I'm kind of amazed Paul George signed that contract. Because all it did was make him super tradable. I mean, I granted, he guaranteed himself a ton of money. But they can trade that contract when like at the halfway point, like I guess before the deadline, I don't know what the new rule is for usually you sign the contract in July and you can trade it in like mid December. Well, whatever. he's still on the first number. He's still on the, the, the second year of the first deal number, but there's some sort of weird trade restriction with the extension. Anyway, I hope, uh, I hope Paul, Paul George doesn't think he's going to be here for the next five years. Cause that, I thought that was a red flag contract. House, he might be on your team. That's fine. But, Welcome to Washington. Next one, Denver Nuggets. The over-under was low, 44 and a half. They're minus 130 for the division, 8 to 1 for the conference. And they basically brought the same team back as last year with two crucial wrinkles. We have uh, Jeremy Grant's gone because Detroit overpaid him. So Porter Jr. is going to play more. Jamichael Green, who is atrocious in the Denver Clippers series, and somehow Denver's like, cool, let's bring that guy in. But, uh, Rosillo, I know you've done a lot of homework on Facundo Capazzo. Yeah, everybody loves this guy. By the uh, way, Paul, Paul George not eligible to be traded until after this year's deadline, so you're right. Okay. Well, it's going to happen. It, he'll be the fall guy if they don't win the finals. So no, Compa- just, whenever, you, whenever you throw out a CBA thing, it bothers me if I don't have, have the... I always appreciate part. that with you. Yeah. So Compazzo is kind of the big X factor for the Nuggets. Every, every, he sounds like our kind of guy. He's 5'11", makes everybody better, old school foreign guy. Um, here, here's Dazzling over- passes. I love that. Like dazzling passes. Here's why this over-under is so hard for me to figure out. This is a logical trade team. Like, I think they are a, a James Harden sleeper. I know that sounds weird, but if if Houston's trading Harden, they they're gonna want a piece like Porter Jr. in the trade somehow. Um, there's a lot they could do if hard if it becomes a fire sale for Harden. I have heard that Brooklyn is not nearly as keen as on trading for James Harden as maybe um, 
the national media has led us to believe. Because if you remember, Mike D'Antoni is Steve Nash's lieutenant on that team and is intimately familiar with Mr. Harden and maybe might, might have some insight on that whole thing. Um, and if, if the Philly thing doesn't work out, it, it's going to be some random wildcard team. There were some Celtics rumors last week, which I don't even want to acknowledge. But Why? Uh, Why don't you want to acknowledge I just, I, that? Are you would afraid? Be like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I, I was unhappy about it. Um, but I do think there's a possibility of a rogue Harden team. And I didn't feel that way two weeks ago because I do think Daryl is dug in. I'm like, hey, we'll do Simmons for Harden. We're not, I'm not throwing anything else. So anyway, long story short, this Denver number might be too low if there's a trade where they can get a legitimate third guy with some of the pieces they have. So we're talking about a 45 win over, which is 55 wins. Yes. So I I like the over on this one too because... They're still young enough to want to go end-to-end. They're going to have to figure out how to be better defensively. And I know people are going to freak out about Jeremy Grant not being there defensively. I, I got to tell you, I don't know. Maybe there's some advanced stuff. I'm sure there's some advanced stuff. That t- I don't remember him shutting down wings all over the place. I just I, I just I, don't. I don't. I, I've been on this corner the whole right. offseason. I don't understand that. I, I never saw him shut down anybody. And um, look, people are very divided on this. Uh, I almost sent a note to somebody going, man, $60 million for Jeremy Grant. And apparently Denver wanted to keep him at like a pretty high number themselves. So I don't know if that's losing the asset and worrying about it or that they really liked him too. I I think Denver liked him more than maybe we would be led to believe. The thing what Grant wanted is Grant wanted to go to Detroit and have an offense focus on him. Like he wants to be the focal point, which is why he didn't just take an absurd number. I just think that number is so big for a guy. If I forget you're out there for 15 to 20 minutes of a game, then I don't want to pay you $20 million a year. That's just a simple rule I have. I guess I'm just a stickler. But they have to be better defensively. And the weird thing is, is are they going to be better defensively knowing that Michael Porter Jr. is in there? Or does it not matter if they're not better defensively? Because now if it's playoff Jamal Murray, the version we just saw has never existed before. All right? He, he went from a, the highest PER he's ever had in a regular season was 18. He was a 24 in the playoffs. You don't like that number? His true shooting percentage was like seven points better in the playoffs than it was at any other point. He was a monster. We know how good Jokic is. But if it's those three and Porter continues to ascend offensively, then the defense may be okay just being passable because those three guys are scary. at their be- The best version of them offensively is scary, and that's why I'm still going over with this number. I'm going over as well, and to me, it does all boil down to uh, MPJ, Um, and I think that Malone has finally made peace. They have a strategy and a game plan for working. You know, we have to remember how recently Porter was hurt and how much basketball he missed all the way up until last season. Like, last season was genuinely... A, a a true rookie season and he he missed time last year as well so i think he, he's the difference maker i love the over here they only have to win 45 games um to get there that that translates to 51 and 31 on the uh in an 82 game season i, I mean w- that works yeah the only case against it would be the west is too good so I'm going to make five giant. So this podcast is going to end up being two and a half hours. Let's not kid ourselves. I'm going to make five giant predictions during the course of this podcast. Here's prediction number one. Michael Porter Jr. will not be on Denver by the, uh, by the trade deadline. I think that I think they will flip him into something major. 
whether they get Harden back or they're the third team in a trade and they're getting another awesome piece back. I think Denver, if I'm looking at this, I'm off Denver and I could turn Porter Jr. into an established dude who's really good with the injury history that he has with the two guys that I have who are in their young primes. I'm going for it. If I can get somebody really good, I just, I have this feeling he's not going to be on that team. Now, if I'm wrong and he stays on the team, by the way, aggregators, this, this is just, I'm making a bold prediction. Don't, don't put in the headline. Simmons thinks port. This is, we're making five predictions. This is one of my predictions. Now, the other part of this is what if Porter's just really good this year and maybe he becomes the third star anyway, Rosillo, you loved him. Uh, you loved the potential of what he brought to them really from day one. But yet now he's got to do it week in, week out. Is it is it still too early for him? What do you think? I wouldn't be in a hurry to trade him. I just think some of the stuff he does at that size, the ball handling and the pull-up stuff, you're like, okay, this is why he was the number one player in high school. Like, this is ridiculous. I know his defensive stuff sucks. But there were times when all these other guys would be hurt and, you know, Malone still wouldn't play him. And you're like, all right, dude, I, I get that he sucks on screens and he's making all these mistakes. I think we should also make sure, too, we were mentioned, like, Getting Will Barton back is a big deal. Mm. And, you know, Gary Harris is is almost a nothing at this point except being really expensive. But there's just, they brought Millsap back. I, don't I didn't know. mind I, Harris I, I, in the playoffs. I, th- I actually thought, I like the defense that he gave them in the playoffs. I still think it's valuable to have a guy who can take some pressure off on that side. House, if Houston calls Denver and says, Harden, give us Porter, Give us the Harris contract back. Um, give us Will Barton. Give us three first rounders and two pick swaps over the next five years. What do you say? Get the fuck out of here. GTFO. No way. That's just way, way, way too much. You can't gut both the supporting cast and the future. It's one or the other. You don't get all of that for, for James Harden. I mean, okay. you, that that, you, that puts you in a position where you're one injury, one dumb rolled ankle away from completely being out of, of, of the mix in the, you know, in, in the playoff run. So I am also in the get the fuck out of here camp because I don't like the fit of Harden and Jokic. I, I, that would actually hurt my soul to see Jokic, who is one of my favorite, like unselfish balls moving. Everybody's involved basketball players kind of standing on the side as Harden goes ISO. What do you think, Priscilla? I'd have to know what Harden's goals are. I mean, do you want to come up here and, and score 35 a game and not extend your contract? Then it's a no. It's a yeah. no. Like, do you want to be here? I, I mean, I wouldn't be comfortable trading for Harden unless I were a Harden city. L.A., well, he's already tried Houston, Atlanta. I mean, that's why the Boston thing never made any sense to me because, like, you're really going to do this again after you just gave up stuff for Kyrie and he didn't want to be there the whole time? And I don't want to acknowledge the years. Boston thing. Okay. It really, um, it, it really upsets me. Yeah. So we're all going over for Denver. Next team is Dallas, which is 42 and a half would be the over. So that would put them in the high 40s in in real life. They're minus 195 for the division, 10 to 1 in the conference, 22 to 1 to win it all. This is, they had a weird offseason. I, I think they tried to keep, um, you know, their hopes for 2021 with the Giannis and and maybe whoever else. And then Giannis signed the Supermax. And I think a lot of people are surprised by it. They they have some malleable pieces. They have the Hardaway Jr. contract, which is expiring. Uh, they have more tradable contracts than that. Richardson's a tradable contract. Maxi Kluber's tradable. There's the Porzingis. If he shows anything, 
when he comes back from injury. Is that a possible tradable one? But um, I don't feel like they necessarily got better. I feel like they went sideways. So this over-under is right around where I thought it would be. What do you think, House? Damn it. That was my line. I think this is the number. I mean, it's it's like razor sharp because Zinger isn't starting the season healthy. We don't know when in January he's going to show up. And with this team, if Luca misses any time at all, that puts this total in, in, in jeopardy. It's a 48 and 34 uh, forecast based on, you know, 43 wins in this uh, format that we're using. And they have to have a solution to the thing that they experienced in evidence last year, which was the, being the worst clutch team in the league. 2-11 and 11 in games decided by three points or less. 17-24 and 24 in games within uh, five points with five minutes left in the game. And we, uh, there's all, all of the, the chatter, all the, the punditry is all over Luca for MVP. And that's a disconnect for me. If, if he's your MVP, then you can't be the worst clutch team in the league again. He's got to take another leap. And that leap has to be at the end of games, closing out games because he, it, only two guys have the ball. It's him and Zinger. And you know, th- th- this this team, it, like I say, it's it's razor thin, their margin for for any kind of injury to Luca. What do you have, Russell? Prozingis has played in 243 games. He's missed 160. And here we go again. So this number projects at 43 wins to 49. That is a really good number. It's kind of in line with where they were as a seven seed last year. You know, the Doncic thing is as real as it gets. He's probably going to get better which scares you, but the Przingis part of this scares me. So that's why I'd say under, even though it's very clear in the offseason what they tried to do. They wanted to get tougher. They wanted to try to fix this defense that was a sieve in the playoffs. They couldn't really do much with a lot of guys the same way no one could do anything with Doncic. Um, they add Richardson, who I think should be better than he was in Philadelphia. He was kind of a disappointment because I always liked him towards the end of the Miami run and then James Johnson, who could just beat up anybody. So I think they're going to do different things around Doncic again. It's basically, it's a lot like the Harden stuff that that we had seen in Houston um and maybe that's why some of the late game situations didn't work out because it can be a little bit more predictable maybe it's just randomness and that number turns back around if Porzingis is healthy it's an over for me but I don't know he misses almost a third of his games in his career as much as I love his skill set uh that scares me on on taking the over here so it's the under for me how's he went under I'm going to take under just just because of of what uh Rosillo articulated, although I will say I think Josh Richardson feels liberated. Every single story that's come out and his shooting since the in, in this preseason has been a revelation. It's like, oh, that's the guy that Philly thought that they had. They just couldn't figure out how to unleash that because of a Brett Brown issue. Well, but here's the thing. They, he was a distressed asset. And I, and I really like Seth Curry. I thought he did a good job for Dallas last year. But Richardson is a three and D guy who goes to this really weird team that has just a bunch of big guys. And then as soon as Simmons goes out, they're actually asking him to be like a creator. And you know what he is? He's somebody who should play with Luka Doncic and just like, just I'm worrying about these two things, three and D and running the floor. And that's all I'm worried about. I think he's gonna be really good for them. I'm going over for this reason. I do think Luca is going to win the MVP. I think the three I had for MVP are him and Davis and, uh, and Durant and Durant's odds were 13 to one and they dropped to 10 to one. We'll get to him when we talk about Brooklyn. Um, 
I just think Luca had the best second season in the history of the league. I expect him to be a little bit better. And here's the case. I think if, if you were like a LeBron Jordan type of offensive player, which I think he has the chance to have the career offensively that those guys had, you're a guaranteed 50 wins, right? So LeBron in 06, 50 and 32, LeBron in 07, 15, 32. In 08, they went 45 and 37. That was that weird team that had like, that team was so bad from a supporting cast standpoint. The East got a little better. Um, and then was 66 and 61 and 09 and 10 for wins. I just think Luca's a guaranteed 50 wins. And by this uh, math, just the over is like in the high 40s. So, all right. Punts will be down for the over. I just think he's guaranteed 50. Yeah, no, I, I know that's why I think the Harden thing is actually a good example there too, not only approach offensively, but I mean, Harden, when things are normal, is probably good enough to drag anybody. I mean, for all the times we've talked about not liking it, it wasn't like they were going 30 and 52. They were still winning games. Right. And that might be the Johnchich factor there. So, you know, it's funny. I was, people have made it seem since the heart, whole Harden thing self-combusted and everything that, uh, it didn't work or it was some sort of failure, whatever the culture. And there's been stories about the Rockets culture fell off the rails. And there's been a lot of empty the notebook stories, all that stuff. The Rockets were really successful. They were the third best team for like three straight years. They won 65 games. They went toe to toe with the, with really great warriors teams two years in a row. And I, I don't feel like that was a failure, even though, as we've talked about a million times, they, the postseason failures and some of the stuff with Harden is going to hang on him long term. But that team was really good. And I, I don't I don't look at that whole era and, and think like, oh, man, what were they thinking? Like, I, they were really good. Sometimes you can't win the championship, but you could still have a really good run. Um, Utah, over-under is 41 and a half, which translates to like the 47 win range, something like that. They just signed Gobert. Yeah, somewhere in there. They just signed Gobert to uh, a giant extension, 205 million, five years. They're plus 220 to win the division. They're in Denver's division. 16-1 for the conference. Minus 355 to make the playoffs. And it's basically the same team as last year, except they added Derek Favors. House over, under. It's an over for me, and the reason is because they're not exactly the same team as last year. It's the return of Boyan, not Bogdan, Boyan. And you've always uh, been good on those two. Thank you very much. the 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 biggest uh, wrinkle to me was R. D. Mitch, and uh, that's not Donovan Mitchell's nickname. I don't know why I just did that. R. Donovan Mitchell, <laughs> D. Mitch, D. Mitch. <laughs> That's like that's like a middle aged white guy nickname. Yeah, it's like a yeah. framer. I'm so yeah. bad at, the, like at that. D Mitch got hammered at my bachelor party. <laughs> D Mitch, D Mitch is he, he wrapped his truck. He's got a hole of sheetrock back there, and he crashed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, I love uh, Utah. I think this is is a really soft number. I mean, 47 wins. They they uh, exceeded that last year. I, I think there was kind of an existential crisis moment for them about Gobert and Mitchell coexisting, but I think they're they're past that, and they're they're deep, they're loaded, and they absolutely uh, are the equal to me of of Denver. Um, I like them, and I'm going to bet on them to win their division. 
Okay. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad you said that part about Denver because we still know it's it's a shot away from this being entirely different. Where we're going up, same old Nuggets, which is a little unfair. I've made that mistake before because it is still a newer group. I just felt like in the past people would talk them up. I guess I'm still going on that analytics team that everyone loved years ago that Golden State beat in the first round when you were like, yeah, I know they have eight or nine guys, but I'm not that impressed. Now I'm getting derailed here. Um, if the Nuggets are at 45 or 44 and a half and, and Utah's, you know, I don't know, depending on the book, three or four wins behind them. I, I thought they were actually pretty close. And then Murray turned into something that we just haven't seen before. So in relation to what that is for Utah, Mitchell also had a playoff run where it was like, holy shit, this guy again. Like, I'm glad I'm seeing this. I think he and Gobert got over it because of money. Um, I'm scared to death of the Gobert contract. I'd be scared to death to do it. I don't know all the theories behind it. Probably part of it's Utah worrying about losing anyone, knowing that this is still probably pretty good. You're in that 50 win range in a normal season. Also new ownership coming in. Maybe, and I haven't heard this, but it would make sense if new ownership decided, hey, let's let's write a big check so it doesn't seem like, hey, our first impression is that we're going to let somebody go. But I like the starting five. Bogdanovich being back. Conley, he can't be worse than he was last year. They actually shot it pretty well. They took a dip defensively. But the Favors thing probably helps because now, instead of how does Favors and Gobert work together, Favors just comes in when Gobert's off, which was a big problem for some of their defensive numbers too. So now it's a Favors and Clarkson second unit, maybe a little jingle juice with Joe Ingles. But I like this number, and I, I like I like the over because I still think I like Utah maybe more than most people do. And maybe it's because I liked them too much last year. I am also going over just because I think the number is too low. I we left out one piece. Conley's an expiring, and it's like thirty-four million, and I think that gives them some options, especially as the season goes along, and you're going to have teams trying to get off money, and maybe longer contracts, things like that. That Conley piece, if they want to move it, if he doesn't look that great, and they want to move an expiring to take somebody's money back that's maybe three years left on the deal, something like that, that gives them options. Uh, people listening, I swear we're not going to go over for every team. I actually think the West is kind of top-heavy, which brings us to the next team that I like, uh, the Portland Trailblazers. This is going to be one of my bold predictions in a second. They're over under 39 and a half. They, they were plus 390 to win the division. That's basically dropped to like plus 310. They're 28 to 1 for the conference, 55 to 1 for the title. Everybody fell all over themselves praising Neil O'Shea's offseason. I, I, it actually left me lukewarm except for the Covington trade. But what I like is I know what their crunch time five is. Lillard, McCollum, Covington, Gary Trent, Nurkic. Um, they somehow still don't have a backup point guard, which I don't understand. They signed like six dudes and somehow they don't have a backup point guard. But they do have some depths in the swing. And, and more importantly, Against a team like the Lakers, they they can throw Canner at them. They can throw uh, uh, Zach Collins, and obviously Nurkic, who I think I think Nurkic is one of the most underrated players in the league. I really like this Portland team, and I think they threw people off their scent last year because they had such a rocky regular season leading up to the bubble when they kind of came through. This is going to be one of my locks. I love the over of forty, which basically nets out to like a forty-seven and thirty-five season. Um, and I think Lillard is a really special player. And, I, you know, he's kind of the, the the poor man Steph in a lot of ways when you compare them for all the stuff Steph did. But he averaged 30 points a game last year, and he was awesome in the bubble. And as especially as a regular season guy, I think he's a pretty special regular season guy. So I'm going over. House? It's a tiny, tiny over for me. And I'm not just saying that because I want 
the soccer moms to not be mad. The Portland soccer moms. I I huh? think this team um, still has a ways to go in terms of defense. They were a historically bad defensive team last year. It is exactly now what they did in in the bubble was formidable and commendable. And what about it was Covington? Wonderful. That covet the Covington it's, thing helps. It is a what it is a what about Covington? That's that's precisely the point. You beat me to it. Uh, but that's that's a TBD, right? I don't know the answer uh, as to whether or not he's going to be a meaningful, impactful, identity-changing guy in terms of of the this team playing any defense. And well, that's they, the only they, they better hope he close. is because they traded they traded two first round picks for him, so they better hope he is. Uh, Rosillo, where do you stand on Covington these days? Because I know I've changed my opinion a bunch of times. I really like him, especially in this role. He just brought a toughness. I mean, that Houston thing sucked for everybody else that wasn't Harden or Eric Gordon. It really did. Yeah. I think P.J. Tucker had fun. I think right. that guy was like, hey, this this is awesome. And that's yeah. why I love P.J. Tucker. Um, Eric Gordon pulling up Westbrook like why, and working with those other guys. So when I look at Covington and I saw little things that he was doing with Houston, I was like, you know what? I'd love to have a guy like this on my team. So Covington went from this unbelievable story of Philly, and then he's all over the place. And you know, Daryl picking him out, kind of fitting in perfectly and saying, hey, we don't even need centers anymore. It's actually a very smart move by him. And I don't mind that Portland's in a win now thing. I think it's pretty clear. They look at this window and say, we got to go for this. And the other thing, and it's not even an overcorrection, it's just a correction. Because between that and the Derek Jones additions, it was, what are we doing with small forwards? Like, we need a better situation with small forwards. Because remember, they had Freak Amuno, um, Alfred yeah. Camino, they had Mo Harkless. They had some combinations Wait, of guys. Don't forget the worst player in the league, Mario Hazonia. They had yeah. him too. Playing he minutes. Could, he's in the wrong system, Bill. You know that as well as anyone. <laughs> <laughs> that system is called the NBA. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they they clearly want to to bring depth to this this part of the team that they just didn't. I mean, when you ask Melo to be your starting small forward, as great as the Melo story has been, it's not because of defense. But remember, one number. This group that's basically back now with Covington and Jones was 16th in a normal healthy season defensive efficiency. So they were terrible last year. They were actually middle of a pack. Um, but I'm just at that 46, this is a 40. So if you're going third, if you're going over their number, it's a 40 win season. So that's a 46 win season, a normal season. That's a really, it's the perfect number there. I guess I'm just going to go slightly under to fade you two guys, even though I can understand the argument over. All right, I'll go under, put me down as an under. All right. I'm I'm going lock over. I also uh, really like them to win the division at plus three ten. I just like the odds. I think Portland, Denver, Utah. Um, I think those teams are all even, and you could make a case that Lillard is the best player on those three teams, and he's it, he's not a stealth MVP candidate because his MVP odds are actually pretty good. I think he was like in the uh, I don't know sixteen to one, seventeen to one range. He's not going to win, but. Um, I just like that team. All right. Now, now we're going to start fading some teams. Let's start with Golden State. Their over-under is 38 and a half, which translates to about, what, 46 wins? 45 win team. 45 to, wins. To take their over, right. So I always just did, hey, 39 is 45 in this exercise. They are minus 158 to make the playoffs, plus 128 to miss the playoffs house. Yeah. Um, Curry, Wiggins, Ubre, Green, Wiseman. It's our starting five. Wanamaker, Damian Lee, Bazemore, Pasco, and Looney is the bench. Pretty, pretty shaky. There's so much riding on Steph Curry for this team to get to 
a 45 and 37 traditional type of NBA season. He would have to be like mid 2010s Steph Curry because he's really the only creator they have on this entire team. Are you under or over house? I'm under. Uh, I I don't like um, where this roster sits with, 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 without Clay. It's it's a, it's heartbreaking. I'm 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 pausing. Me you too. Know? It's really because we were really psyched. We were all geared up to see uh, the intrigue of this team back in the mix with this Western Conference as it's currently configured. I think Draymond is is on the way downside, not just the downside. I think he's on the way downside now. I don't think he's going to play a lot. And you hit the the most important point, which is this team cannot afford Steph to miss any games. And Steph has done nothing but miss games the last three seasons. He 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 missed uh, thirty one games in seventeen eighteen. He missed. Uh, 13 games in 18, 19, and last year he he played in five games. So this this is uh, a team. It's asking too much of Steph, and you know I don't know what 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 the the point would be. Like they're gonna what slide into the seven playoff spot? Is it to get bodies into their new fancy stadium? Well, in June here, is that the idea? Here's here's the X factor. The the Wiseman thing. I think they love Wiseman and I think they think Wiseman has a chance to actually be like pretty special. And I don't know what to expect from him this year. I think long-term they're really bullish on him. Um, If he is good this year, that does a lot of nice things for them because it allows Draymond to, it kind of frees Draymond up to going back to being Draymond instead of like this super undersized center, basically. Um, and it just gives them this athleticism that they've never really had at that spot. So that would be the X factor. But I uh, I just don't think they're going to have enough offense. And that conference is loaded. What do you think, Rosillo? Yeah, this is part of my bigger Western, and I have an Eastern version of this, that the bottom of the West is so good. Okay? These are talented basketball teams. The only team that absolutely sucks is Oklahoma City, where you just yep. go, oh, my God, they're terrible. Minnesota might be the second worst team in the West. Maybe uh, it's where their total, you know, it's right around that that area. Maybe the, th- yeah. the third worst ter- totals. And it's still a talented basketball team. You're like, you know, what if Anthony Edwards is actually good? Um, and it's way too early. I don't want to hear about the preseason breakdown, all this stuff. So because of that, where there's just less nights off than maybe any time I can remember in the West, that's why I'm trending under on some of these other teams. Now, I would point out that there's different odds on this where if you're going at Golden State and going over 38 and a half, that means 39 wins, which is 45 wins in a regular season. I've seen this number also at 36 and a half. If you think, hey, Steph Curry, they're going to go 500. That's what I wanted to do as as Team Steph over here, as the guy that sends out the buttons when you send in your little mailer at running the little operation out of the basement here, the, the Curry fan club. Where, Who else is getting shots off? You know, Ubre is a dependent offensive player. I mean, unless they get out and run all night long, which I'm not sure they want to do that, Draymond is somebody you can ignore. Wiggins, you know, Wiggins was actually 19th in scoring last year, and I, I still know. I still go, eh, whatever. So I like Wiggins. Wiggins is going to have 20,000 points, and we're all going <laughs> to wonder what the fuck happened. <laughs> like, how did he join liked- the 20K club? <laughs> I like the version of Wiggins when it was Clay and Steph, and you're going, all right, well, you're athletic enough when everybody helps off, like you're going to eat. But now 
you can really just focus everything on Steph and then ask Wiggins to beat you in isolation. I mean, Minnesota already tried that. So this this number's an under for me. Maybe you could play it at an over if you think they're good enough to at least go 500 as you can find the number a little bit lower. But I want to talk myself into an over, but I just don't know where the offense is going to be because everyone is just going to clamp down on Steph, and Steph is built in a way that, you know, it's not like he's just going to beast you the whole time. Well, and it's also a weird season. You have this condensed season. If this was a normal 82-game season, you'd be like, all right, the rhythm of the season, maybe they could, maybe Steph could pull this off. But the fact that it's a little condensed, it's a pretty big workload. And also, House, I look at, like, the motivations, if you're the Warriors, which is a really smart team. I want to come out of this season with Wiseman being an awesome asset. Like I care the most about getting Curry back to being the Hall of Famer after coming off that uh that wrist injury. But more importantly, like I want a year from now, I want Wiseman to be like an impact guy. So I'm almost like playing him even more than maybe he should be playing. I'm playing some of those young guys like Pascal and Looney. I want I want to see everything I have. Um it's not like they're going to make the finals without Clay. It's not happening. If Clay was on this team, I, th- I we'd be looking at this completely differently, and I would think it was like a fifty-five win team in a conventional season. But we're we're in violent agreement, and they're yeah. not really in- incented to do anything other than what you're describing, which is see what they got. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun team that can beat anybody on a given day. But I think they'll be around five hundred. All right, we're gonna do the rest of the West in a second. Taking a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time, that's usually about Five o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, coming up next, the uh, hot team du jour in the sleeper conversation, the Phoenix Suns. Their over-under is 37 and a half, which translates to about 44 wins in a real season. They are minus 132 to make the playoffs. Uh, 55 to one to win the title. If you're feeling ambitious, I really like their moves in the off season. I like the Chris Paul trade. I love the Jay Crowder signing. Um, didn't like the Jalen Smith pick as much. I would have loved it if they took, uh, our guy Halliburton there and made him like the third guard do sure. We all liked what we saw from Aiton last year. And I get it. This, this is the blueprint of a team that should be a playoff team. I almost wish they were in the East. My question is Rosillo. Is there a little too much positive buzz for this team? No, because Aiton's good. Booker's great. Chris Paul was great again last year. So for anyone making the, well, I'm not sure. I mean, think about what Paul just did with that Oklahoma City team last year that once you saw when it came down to it, I mean, every bucket they had to score was a process against the Houston Rockets. When the Rockets would have runs offensively, where they're like, all right, Thunder just can't hang with them. And the fact that that's, that's, that went seven games is remarkable. Um, and, and Paul is good enough in this now this setup where he has another score. He didn't have anybody like Devin Booker on the Thunder. They weren't yeah. even close to that. 
And Aiton is turning into, I think, the five that you actually can play at the end of games. And well, Jay and Crowder, then uh, on top of that, like, how important is Paul going to be for those two guys? And not, not that Rubio was bad last year, so but important. He, he might have a yeah, dramatic impact on those dudes. Yeah, I, look, I'm just going to guess that Aiton and Booker are going to relate more to Paul than Rubio. Right. Just, just a hunch. Just, a, <laughs> but they also so, they have some shooting too, which I like. I they have guys who can come on the bench and just bomb some threes and. You know. I never know what Jay Crowder, what shooter I'm going to get. And I, I think there's some other franchises that will tell you the same thing. And the Cameron Payne thing was kind of weird. So you know, we could sit there and say, hey, Etwan Moore. Etwan Moore is like a professional player. Like, he's he's going to be okay. He's not going to get you killed. Cameron Johnson, for all the hate that we had for, like, a 24-year-old draft pick, he's been all right. And, and Sharich, I don't know where I'd love to see him – you know, have a little bit more freedom, and maybe that's freedom on the second unit. So that's a really good starting five. They're a playoff team. I'd be actually shocked. I mean, as much as there's everybody's this push, let's face it. If that team's not in the playoffs, that's something went wrong. Yeah, Chris Paul got hurt. I I think I have them seventh in the West, and I think they're going to make the playoffs. House, what do you think? I have them in the exact same spot. They played 73 games last year in the funky uh, season that last year. Um, ended up being, and they won 34 of those 73 games. And what we're asking them to do essentially is win four more games now um, to to hit this over. And to me, Monty Williams is worth all four games. I mean, hmm. Chris Chris Paul is one thing for sure, an an enormous impact. But Monty Williams, that would to me was the secret underrated addition for this team. He's he's absolutely beloved. He, they, they have rallied around him. He instilled in that team a confidence. He gave them a goal. Let's go win every bubble game. And by God, they went out and won every bubble game. I'm a Monty Williams believer. I love the over for this team. So House knows this, but I, I've definitely been dabbling in the sports card market and been enjoying like some of the, uh, just seeing who people are fired up about. There's so much Booker rookie card like it, 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 like Booker's rookie card is worth more than like Bob Pettit's PSA Bullet seven Bob Pettit? rookie card. Yeah, it's like people are in on Booker. Like he's already won the MVP. There's so much Booker buzz right now. In a weird way, I feel like he has about as much at stake this season as just about everybody because he's been this guy. He's been on a bad team. We've all said he's really good. He's really hasn't been in an important game other than these bubble games where they didn't even really have a chance to get the eight seed anyway. They went eight zero. Everybody is treating him like he's a top 15 guy. And I think he actually has a, a chance to be this year. Like he could be a third team or second team all NBA guy. This is a nice team for him. You have veterans, you have shooters, you have a, you have a big man, you have a Hall of Fame point guard. I fully expect him to have an awesome year. And Rosillo, if he doesn't, that's on him. <laughs> Um, yeah, because there's also a version of this too. If something goes wrong, Paul could opt out and do a three-year extension instead of the 40 plus million. I mean, it's a huge number. So if Paul actually plays amazing, does he find out, hey, there's another big deal out there for you? Um, but he's in an age too where you'd have to worry about um the extension numbers on that years wise. But uh then it could get ugly. I mean, then it could actually get ugly. So the Booker part, I, I mean, I'm surprised to hear you say this because I'll remember a time, and I don't think I'm making this up, like you weren't always the biggest Booker guy either. Was I that didn't because he, like... Because the 70 against the Celtics, when they what, they lost that game and then people made a big deal. Like, I didn't care that they made a big deal out of it. 
on social media because the team stunk and he scored a million points. So I, I didn't like that, that he it. didn't play on the World Championships team. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, all the Suns fans got mad at him. They're like, you know what? That guy's never been in a playoff game. He could he could have used the experience. I think it was really valuable for Brown and Tatum. Um, but I think he's really good and and uh, he is somebody. He's not he's not an MVP candidate, but he's if he has the right kind of season, could be a second team or a third team All NBA guy potentially. All right, so we're all going over on them. Next oh, I went the, under, by the way. I'm going under. You're going under 37 oh, yeah, and a yeah. half. Yeah, yeah. With all that being said, um, I'm going under because I think I think the bottom of the West and the top of the West is going to be so competitive that I think those records are going to be lower than normal playoff entries. So there you go. I'm going over and House is going over. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rockets, I'm just going under. I, I don't like anything that's happening. Uh, they're over under is 35 and a <laughs> half and dropping. <laughs> They are minus 138 not to make the playoffs, plus 112 to make the playoffs. Um, I don't know how you bet the over. I don't know how you bet you. You can't. Unless unless you know Harden. Wait, Why? Because the Harden part of it. Yeah, well, sure. Right. The Harden part of it. That's exactly the point, right? Like, isn't there a world where he stays for, for a good portion of the season? No, absolutely. I, but do you I, wanna... I think there's a there's a world in which he starts sitting out games trying to force them to trade him. See that 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 would be terrible for the league, right? Because we had a version of that with Anthony Davis, but at least Anthony Davis had the cover of being in his contract season when they were doing he it. He wasn't. And they No, no, that's wrong. They he had like two and a half years <laughs> left at his deal house. No, no, no. Well, no. he had an option. So it was Yeah, he said he wasn't gonna stay with Boston right. when they when they put him uh when he was officially oh, yeah, on the yeah. table. Like at the next the following year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I right. I I understand. Um, can I, I give you their bench house before I, look, you, before you say over, can I just read you the names on the bench? Ben McLemore, Sterling Brown, DeMarcus Cousins, Kenya Martin Jr. I probably this, somebody I left out. I think they're deeper than last year. I think this is a better house. Houston team than last year. Bruni right, Cabal, so you're have, you been lis- have you been listening to their, their announcers on league pass again? Because it took me about 30 <laughs> seconds have. before those guys were like, I got to tell you, Wall, Cousins, turn it around. This team could make some noise. And I was like, <laughs> all right. I'm hand I was up. Like, Changing hand the raised. By the way, Christian Wood, 27 and 10 in his first playoff uh, uh, preseason game. So the Christian Wood thing is the one piece I can't wrap my head around. I have no idea why Detroit didn't keep him. I, I don't know what Detroit did for months now. Right, Just, but uh, but he seems exactly the type of guy you would keep. And then if you're Houston... All the weird shit that happened with them. But one of the things they actually did that was smart was trading Covington for two picks and then basically signing Christian Wood to be in the Covington spot. You do that every time. They basically traded Covington for Christian Wood and two first rounders. I think he's good. I just think this is a really, really weird team. And that's before we get into like, is Eric Gordon going to be unhappy? PJ Tucker, we know, is unhappy. Um, the John Wall thing's going to be weird. I'm going under. So, Russell and I are going under, and House, you're going over? Yeah, I just need them to win 36 games based on this number. I need them to be 500. Good luck. Uh, by the way, on the Christian Wood thing, a quick follow-up. I mean, there is a version where a guy who started only 14 games in five seasons doesn't work out. Fair. I just like him. Yeah, no, I, I like him too, but when I see the efficiency numbers for somebody who played 21 minutes a game in 60 games for the first full season, like it looked pretty good. It looked pretty good. But I mean, we've we've made this mistake before with bigger guys where we got a glimpse of something 
and then it wasn't always there. I'm not knocking the transaction. I think Detroit should have tried to keep him, but it, now it's turning into like Christian Wood. You would have thought this guy was putting up big numbers here for four or five years the way he's being talked about, and it's basically not even a full season. I guess I'm putting it in context of would I rather pay Christian Wood three for 41 or would I rather pay Marcus Morris four years for 64 million? And some of the other terrible contracts that, yeah, Plumlee, um, the Luke Kennard extension, some of the ones around the league, I I thought were just kind of shockingly irresponsible during when there's a pandemic and no attendance and everybody's so worried about season ticket renewals and uh, numbers in general, but then they're like, oh, cool. Gordon Hayward for 30 million a year. Let's, let's do that. I, I just, I can, I just can't get over some of the contracts. I really can't. There, there was 12 to 15, just completely idiotic contracts that I, I couldn't stand. Next one, New Orleans, 33 and a half. So if we go to the win percentage syllabus, that puts them in the high thirties in real life. Um, I don't know what New Orleans's game plan is here. Are they a young team that's trying to build something for the future? Do they want to be good? Like, how do you explain Steven Adams for 18 million years, a contract extension during a market when like Abaca is 9 million a year and Tristan Thompson's 9 million a year and you're giving Steven Adams 18 million a year. I thought that was weird. The Bledsoe thing's going to be weird. Bledsoe and Lonzo Ball together is weird. JJ being on a team with Lonzo Ball and Eric Bledsoe and, you know, some of these swings. And then Ingram got super maxed. Zion, we have no idea if he can play 50 games, much less 72. I, I, I'm i just going under. I, I think this is a weird team and I don't fully understand it. What do you have, House? I like this team with Stan Van Gundy. I think that this team was missing uh, an, an identity, missing a, uh, you know, lots of, of pieces. There was just a team in flux, and it all boils down to Zion and where he fit in w- w- with this team. I think if, if Zion's capable of playing most of the season and Stan Van Gundy can convince this team to play some defense. I like the balance of a few vets with Steven Adams and JJ and Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe still plays pretty good defense. Um, and I, I think that they, you know, they're in a tough division. The reason to fade them is their division sent all five teams uh, to the bubble. And another reason to fade them is they look terrible in the bubble. But I think SVG is a a uh, important interjection into you know creating something for this team that's professional. Sam Van Gundy, when he goes to a new team, helps those teams immediately hit their over. He has a good track record with that. So I'm I'm they only have to win 34 games for this to be an over. They're an under 500 team to win this bet. I like it. I I do not, Rosillo. Um, well, wait. So if we're talking 34 wins to get you over, uh, I like the over, even though I, I like, here's the weird thing. I like the players on this team. I may not like this team, but I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to go with the over, uh, the back, the backcourt scares the shit out of me because there's no shooting with Lonzo. There's no shooting with blood. So although Lonzo looks like, I don't know what happened to him. Maybe the bubble. Do we know that it wasn't the fat ball that was playing in the bubble? And Lonzo just took the bubble off. Oh, Leon, because, they switched bodies? Yeah. Jello. Interesting theory. Jello was in there instead of Lonzo. That's possible. Yeah. Or I guess he's the good looking one, not the fat one. But what I'm saying is, is I was really 
excited about Lonzo in the regular season. He he fixed his shot a little bit. It was passable. Mm. And then the bubble, he was atrocious again. And at least in the, some of the preseason stuff, I'm like, man, that shot's the best it's ever looked from him. But I wouldn't put him down as a shooter. No one's going to scream shooter when the rotation is off and everybody has to close out on him. Um, and Ingram at small forward. And then with Steven Adams and the way everybody plays now, like I don't think you want Steven Adams in Zion's way, but what I think New Orleans was de- – well, they definitely were trying to do this. They were so bad on some of these – like it was a layup drill at times against them defensively. And so that's why they bring in Adams. I don't understand the extension either, but I get what they were trying to do. So if they can find rotations – No, if Stan can figure out a way to get some rotations here where they're shooting and maybe Zion's playing away from Adams – but if it's closing time with Adams, Zion, and Ball and Bledsoe back there, poof, I, I think they're going to have trouble with their spacing. Um, Stan hasn't been a good coach in 10 years. I'm just going to point that out. He did a bad job the entire time he was in Detroit. And he was worse as a GM. So. I think this team should run. And I don't know. Stan, Stan's got to let him run. I'm going under. I think it's a weird team, and I think ultimately, um, this the, I I also don't like the Ingram Williamson Adams as my front line. I think that's a pretty weird front line. It's just, it, it's just kind of I I didn't like the minutes that Ingram and Zion had together either. I thought Ingram looked a lot better when Zion was on the DL than when he came back. I I don't know. It's I don't like the fit of this team. The next team I do like. It's the Memphis Grizzlies. And this is going to be one of my bold predictions. They're plus 184 to make the playoffs. Their over-under is 31.5. They are my eighth playoff team. I think the Grizzlies make the playoffs. And I swear Chris Vernon um, wasn't Jedi mind-tricking me. Um, But I think Ja, this is my second bold prediction. I think Ja is going to be a top 12 guy this year. Not top 15, top 12. I think he is going to ascend the same way Luca did last season. I think he's a superstar. Um, I just think he has it. I, I really do. I think he has it. I like Brooks. Jaron Jackson's coming back soon, hopefully. Uh, I still like having Jonas. I, I think guys like Jonas and Nurkic are valuable in the NBA season because there's only a few of them. And you can get good minutes from them. Winslow's coming back. Brandon Clark was great last year. I th- There's a great vibe with this team. And I think they have a superstar. And I have them penciled in for the eighth seed. I'm going over 31 and a half S. Yeah, I like the over as well. Uh, I, too, tried to um, stay away from Chris Vernon as I was making uh, my assessment of this team. But they they took care of business last year. And that is the hallmark of a serious franchise, a serious coach, a serious organization. They were 24 and 16 against teams that were under 500 last season. So Mm. they look at, this is the old Spurs trick, right? This is why the Spurs have gone over 14 of the last 18 seasons. They look at their schedule and they look at a a whole bunch of teams that they know they ought to beat and they go out and, and beat those teams. The other thing that the Grizzlies did last year, they were 14 and 13 against the East. Again, sizing up teams that they they think they they can uh, go out and, and and snatch games from and then go ahead and did it my my only concern at all with this team is a second scorer with with jacks i want you jaron to be all the way back healthy um but i'm that that would be the only reason um 
to 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 tap the brakes, but I only need them to get to 32 wins for this to hit. This is I'm I'm joining you in the over. This will be one of my locks. I know Rousseau is going to fade us just to be a dick, not even because he feels one way or the other. I just feel like this is just a, a zag coming for Priscilla. You know me. Um, I'm going under. <laughs> I'm going under on this one because you know we're surprised all all the time. We can sit here and think it's hey, it's seven teams in the West again because it was pretty significant who those seven teams were. And then you, when you're adding in Portland and you're taking out Oklahoma City and you're at, taking out Houston. So I'm just going with despite my concerns about New Orleans banking the playoffs in front of Memphis. So because I have New Orleans on the over, I'm taking Memphis on the, I'm going to go with the under, even though I do love, I do love that backup. Like they have a bench group there that lit it up statistically last year with Clark mm. and, um, and Melton. Um, but, By the way, Grayson Allen's going to start this year. He is. He is. Yeah. I, I really like this team. I like watching them. I watched Wait, almost so their you, entire preseason the other you day. You started the reason you were emphasizing, re-emphasizing why you like them by saying that Grayson Allen's going to start. <laughs> yeah. I like that Grayson was, Allen. That was what sold you on it? I'm okay. a fan. I'm a fan. Uh, listen, Make John a great Morant. Celtic. John Morant, you're definitely not listening. I believe. I believe. I bought your rookie card. I'm in. Next one, San Antonio Spurs. I do not believe. 29 and a half is the over-under. And uh, that translates to mid-30s, like 30, a 37 and 45, 36 and 46 type thing. They're plus 360 to make the playoffs, minus 500 not to make the playoffs. Not great. I My take on this team and why I'm going under is I feel like they're going to be sellers as we get to the deadline. You have DeRozan in a contract year, you have Aldridge in a contract year, and... The Spurs are smart. They're going to be sellers. Rosilla, you agree? This is this is a team that's active and kind of looking ahead long term. It feels year. like it's finally time to sell. Uh, they have expiring contracts with the Rosen at almost twenty eight million. Rudy Gay's at fourteen point five. Lamarcus is at twenty four million. Um, I can't believe they actually started to figure some things out last year in different times. Where I was like, wait, are they actually going to make a run at this again? They're they're actually not as bad on offense as they were on defense. They're atrocious on defense last season. So you're bringing all those guys back out there. They take a million long twos. Um, I mean, there's a new GM technically, but I, I still think Pop calls all the shots there. But I just want to remind everyone, like this is where the national perspective is important. Going through every 30-team preview and, and cap sheet, I'm going to say this a couple times tonight. Everybody, like two-thirds of the teams have these massive – I shouldn't say everybody. But when you go, man, we have this expiring contract, we have this expiring contract, what are you going to trade it for when there's all these other teams that also have these massive expiring contracts when there's actually competition for it? So what do you actually think that you're going to get back that's actually a, a cornerstone piece of your franchise moving forward? Maybe you're able to absorb something, you know, take back a bad deal, but then it's a bad deal, so why do you want that player? Maybe you get a first-round protected pick and all stuff, but these these transactions that every fan base talks themselves into, like, whoa, we have all these expirings, because the GM tells you they have it all the time. They tell they sell, the media sells it for these teams. Oh, my God, they have all these expirings. Most of you are going to do nothing with it. So, yes, they have big expirings, but are the Spurs all of a sudden going to start taking on bad players and assets when there's going to be competition for the exact same players that could be moved to other teams with the same expiring? So that's not no, exactly. But it, I, I could see them doing like the DeRozan for Gary Harris in a first type of type of moves, right? Where you're, that's a very you're good a example. on a younger guy yeah. that has potential that maybe in a different setting who has some real skills, get a pick. I, I don't think or you might be, say 
do we want to spend 20 million on a player who we know can't play on offense? Right. For, for a first rounder from a playoff team for the next five years. When I say they're sellers, I don't think they're turning um, Aldridge DeRosa to anything substantial. I just I know think, you're not. I think they're going to try to grab, you know, some mid late first mid late first round picks for those two guys as it goes along. And Aldridge to me is a really intriguing. It reminds me a little bit of when Gasol, when Memphis tried to trade Gasol, Toronto ended up with him a few years ago. But the, all of a sudden, there was a Gasol market. And it was like, oh, I don't know. He's unhappy. And then he went to Toronto. He was good. I, to me, Aldridge is somebody that uh, could really swing, you know, a, a round or two for a playoff team. If, you know, he's a pretty manageable contract. He's in the mid-20s. So you could patch it together. But I, I, I like them. House, you're, you're going under, I assume? Yeah, I'm going under as well. Um, the experiment of DeRozan and Aldridge has been a failure. They can't be on the court at the same time because their defensive rating is absolutely atrocious when they're on the court at the same time. And this team really does make um, sense in terms of letting the kids get out and, and run. Let's see Deontay Murray. Let's see. They just signed Derek White to an extension t today. Yeah, uh, let's see Lonnie Walker get out and run. And then, you know, what kind of pieces do they get back for one of DeRozan or Aldridge or, or, or both of them? But that's really what makes sense for this team this season. And P Patty Mills is another one that, uh, you know, if if he was like Portland's backup point guard, that would make Portland a better team because right now their backup point guard is Simons. Uh, all right, we are going under with that. Sacramento will do quickly. They're over under 27 and a half, which translates to like a 34 and 48 season. I will never for the life of me understand why they got nothing for Bogdanovich. I thought that was so fucking weird. Um, I don't know why they just didn't match the offer and figure it out later. When teams do that, it drives me crazy. It drove me crazy a year ago with Brogdon. I hate losing assets. I, I think it's really hard to get an asset and to just be like, yeah, cool. We're going to move on and get zero. I think it's irresponsible. Uh, the case for this team would be if Halliburton's really good and that, and all the buzzes that he's going to be really good. It's it's we'll see how much he's going to play. Cause you have Foxy and buddy healed there, but um, the case would be he's awesome. And that's how they end up being in, you know, a traditional high thirties win team versus where they are now. But I, uh, I'm going under only because I just had too many overs and I got to balance it out. That's really the only reason. So under for me house, it's an under for me as well. Uh, that they, they did the, the, they committed the crime that you just described twice, not just uh, Bogdan Boyanovich, but also Kent Bazemore didn't get anything uh, for him. Now, Dwayne Dedman and Alex Len, those guys went also. I don't think they wanted. Should they even play this either. year? Losing Bazemore? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, they, they just didn't get better. They just let guys go. And maybe there's a lineup here with Fox and Heald and Halliburton and Bagley and uh, Barnes, maybe that's an interesting. Oh, lineup. oh, wait a second. Wait, there is. That's the fun lineup. That if I'm flicking on League Pass, I want to see all those dudes playing together. I want to see Fox, Heald, Halliburton, and Bagley, and with a shooter, and just be like, let's let's make this a 132 to 128 type of game, right? Sure. We're not we're not going to get stops anyway. Let's just let's just try to see how much offense we can put on the court. You would want to watch those four guys together. I'm still I still own Bagley stock. I'm still in on Bagley. Well, I'll watch the games. I just think that they're going to win 27 and not 28. I mean, Me too. Luke, Luke and, Walton has not been helpful to this roster. Yeah, and the, the Luke Walton questions are, are there. Rosillo, under? Weird thing about Luke Walton is 
before the Lakers turned things around, he had a young team that wasn't very good that somehow played pretty good defense. Statistically, that Lakers team held up defensively, which I thought was actually something you would look at Luke and say, okay, that was impressive. And yet that didn't happen last year. So that one part of it is like, can he get young guys to get on the same page? I'm going over here. 28 okay. wins is yeah. 32. Sure. They're right on. I mean, look, they were 30 win one team. They, they won 31 games last year mm-hmm. with Bagley playing 13 games and he looked terrible. And I can't imagine he's only going to play 13 and suck in all 13 again. And even if the Bagley stock feels like a tax write-off at this point, um, I like I like the over here. I like the over here not to make the playoffs, but I like them to be more competitive. And as much as I would agree with you guys, the Bogdanovich part of this, if you were going to get an asset back from Milwaukee, how could you not figure out some way to do it so that you get an asset back from Atlanta? But you know, then the thing became so derailed because of all the stuff that was going on. But I think we all have to be fair. It's not it's not the reason you should make a decision because Barnes money and the Buddy Healed money. But this now prevents you from having your backup unit being run by Buddy Healed. And now you have him in a role where he's playing off of De'Aaron Fox. It's sort of staggering these guys and Heald being pissed about it all the time because he's thinking he's better than Bogdanovich the entire time. So hate losing the asset for nothing. Completely agree. But there's an upside to the Buddy part of this and a healthy Bagley that that's that's a starting five. And Rashard Holmes, I love that that part of the transaction um, and, and finding him. Mm, so I like him too. Yeah, I'm going over. I'm just going under because of the conference. I could see this the scenario I could see with them is a really bad start. They fire Luke Walton and then finish the year really strong and everybody gets excited about them. I also think Halliburton will take like half a season to get his sea legs. But once he does, th- this will be an intriguing end of the year team. Uh, two more. Minnesota, 29 and a half. Uh, I'm just... I don't feel like we have to spend a ton of time talking about them. I'm going, I'm going under just because of the, I need more unders in the conference house. I think they they have the talent um, for a, a teeny tiny over is, is Anthony Edwards underrated properly rated. I mean, it, it, it's a really funny position that he's in is the number one overall draft pick uh, coming in here. I have nothing but, you know, the greatest of sympathy and empathy for what Carl Anthony Towns just went through um, with his family and his extended family with 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 COVID. Um, and is that going to have an impact on his uh, resolve for this season? I'm going to root for Minnesota this year. And since I'm going to be rooting for them, I'm going to take the over. And the Rubio comeback's fun, too. Uh, Russell, what do you have? Under. I have major questions about this team. <laughs> Me too. De- defensively, I, I don't. Uh, the ru- the a team built around Russell and Towns. The Malik Beasley thing was weird. I probably have liked the Hernan Gomez brothers more than I should have, but there's projections that Wancho's <laughs> starting for them. Um, mm. Culver may be a complete like nothing at this point. Anthony Edwards. I want to see the Anthony Edwards thing work out. I just. I'm not a big D'Angelo Russell guy. And I think there's a number where when Towns came back, they went one and 18. Remember, they got off to a good start last year and then Towns yes. came back and they couldn't win a game. So, yeah, sorry, under. This leads me to bold prediction number two. I think Minnesota is going to be the worst team in the West. Worse than Oklahoma City. Yeah, yeah. Staking my flag on that one. Let's go think- to Oklahoma City. The over-under is 20 and a half, which translates to about 25 wins. Um, I, I'm going to go under, but I still don't think they're the worst team in the league just because I needed more unders <laughs> there. There's <laughs> that means 20 wins. 
What? Well, it would be 20, yeah, 20 wins. 20 wins yeah. and under. Yeah, but the West is awesome. There's 10 really good teams in the West, potentially. Uh, they just don't have enough scoring. You, Shay, Shay Gilgis, who I, I really like and who? admire. Shay, Shay Gilgis, Shay Gilgis, SGA. Wait, wait. Shay say, Gilgis. Pause on that. Say, say, the, say the new head coach's last name. Uh, <laughs> you go first. <laughs> well, I, I looked it up. It's Mark Dagnoit. Yeah. Dagnoit. yeah. Not Dagnoit. to be confused with JJ Daniel. <laughs> they have, uh, they have no scoring at all other than SGA. And we saw him in the bubble. Like he did not have a great series against Houston. I actually think if he had played better, they could have beaten Houston and he just didn't. He was so, bad. He was bad. He was uh, scared. He's actually yeah, he was, scared. He was a little scared. I yeah. worry about. I like him, but when people are like, all right, they, they still have SGA, and then Al Horford looked terrible last year, I think this team's going to be really bad. I I still, I, I think Minnesota's going to be just as bad. No I, way. I just think they have more this talent. This team, Oklahoma City starting five, Diallo, Dort, and Darius Baisley. Those guys are not now on the depth chart as starters. Are you fucking nuts? <laughs> what about, what about uh. Poku? Well, listen, I needed another bold prediction. Uh, Poku, have you seen Pokushevsky? any Poku? Yeah, have you seen yeah. any Poku? That one, the first highlight, uh, his first and one mixtape that was on social media wasn't great, but it's slowly, it's gotten better. It's gotten better, which is not at least not hit some much. threes. Yeah, no, he can yeah. shoot. His big thing is that he can pass, even though he only weighs 112 pounds. But that's a bad starting five. I don't know. A lot of ISO door. Is that what you're telling me? I just think Minnesota and OKC are going to suck. And wh whether OKC sucks slightly more than Minnesota, I don't know. But you made the key point. Minnesota was 1-18 during a stretch last year with all of the same guys on this year's team, except Edwards, who's not going to do anything this year, and, and Rubio. Um, I, I just don't see it. I actually yes, kind of well, like Nas Reed, by the way. I like Nas Reed, too. Yeah. I'm going to um, get a jersey. I'll put you down for a medium. <laughs> House, OKC, what do you have? Under or over? It's an under for me. Okay. Do you have buy or sell for Poku? It's a sell for me. Okay. Rosillo, do you, would you, would you want to be like his weightlifting instructor? Maybe try to get no. him over 200 pounds? No, because if he gets hurt, I don't want to get sued. Okay. All right. We're going to take a break. Come back with East. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I understand that some things you just want to keep private. Maybe it's something you don't want anyone to know, or maybe you think it's something minor, so why bother? But if you keep everything bottled up, if you let those emotions sit there and fester, it could be really, really bad for you. Sometimes it depends on what kind of family you're from. Like my dad's family is one of those. They bottle everything up, bottle everything up, and then they all just get mad at each other. Listen, talking things through is more helpful than you think. If you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend some therapy. Think about the things you can get out of therapy. First of all, a sounding board. You can learn better coping skills. You can learn how to set some boundaries, maybe how to empower yourself a little better day to day. And if you want to give therapy a try, well, I have an answer. BetterHelp, a convenient and flexible way since it's entirely online right now. It's easy to get started too. You can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bill Simmons. All right. We are on a crisp uh, three-hour pace here. I'm, I'm really enjoying <laughs> myself, though. I don't really care. 
You know, it's the holidays. <laughs> this is our gift to us. The three-hour po- gift to our fans. Three-hour podcast. East playoffs. We'll start with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, which leads me to bold prediction number three. I do not think the Bucks will be the one seed this year. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Their over-under is 50 and a half. They are plus 240 for the conference, plus 550 for the title. They added a guy named Drew Holiday. Uh, their benches. I'm just not a fan. I've never liked DJ Augustine at any point. I, Bobby Portis is one of those guys. He's good like once a month and everybody gets excited, but he's Bobby Portis. Bryn Forbes, whatever. Uh, DeFincenzo, who somehow is the why can't I speak? DiFincenzo, who was somehow Close. the key to the Bogdanovich trade, is like, ah, really? They, I don't really remember any moments from him last year. I just don't, I don't really He's better like, than that, by the way. DiVincenzo's better than the way you're describing him, but he looked eh. hor- he looked horrified in the playoffs. There was moments there where I was like, okay. I just didn't think he should be the focal point of a Bogdanovich deal. Yeah, but you just made fun of the Kings for getting nothing for the assets. So if you were going to do that, you're also going to now make fun of DiVincenzo? Yeah, that's what I do. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's what I do. That's do I contradict myself sometimes? Yeah. I just didn't I didn't think that was really a good load. Uh the Drew Holiday thing will be significant. There's been a lot of pieces about how important the pick and roll with him and Giannis is going to be. And I think that's a crucial point. Cause I think this team, especially in the big playoff series, needed that one signature play, especially in the last three, four minutes that they did not have normally. And I, you know, Middleton. He's overpaid, but whatever. That's a nice guy to have in your team. So they do have three awesome guys, and they're definitely a title contender. Um, the over-under at 50 and a half means they'd have to be around 57. And I'm going under. That seems high to me. I don't like it, especially with the condensed season. And uh, I, I'm just going under. What do you think, House? I like the over. This team is nothing if not a regular season juggernaut machine that's what bud does it's regular season bud Giannis having just signed that mega super duper extension is ready to perhaps take it up even another level i don't know what that level is except for uh, a level of aggression in the low post perhaps and also perhaps he's going to be even better shooting it from three uh more consistent and i think you know they they have pieces that you look on paper that you're like, eh, I don't I don't, I don't love all that, but they are so cohesive. And again, in a regular season kind of format, I, I just like the over. I don't feel like we're asking very much for this team to get to around 58 wins. They've been a 60 win team um, each of the two previous seasons. Rosillo? Yeah, they're right on it. I mean, they went 56 and 17. So you figure the extra game. That's, that's basically what they're saying again here is that they're the same team and same record from last year. And they destroyed people in the regular season last. That that point differential for them was off the charts. Their defensive numbers, they were way ahead of number two. Their offense just wasn't as good. So you have to keep looking at this just as a regular season thing because we all know what all the playoff hangups are. And because it's new and different, it's off another disappointment. I'm going over because I think they're just going to pile up wins all the time against those shitty teams as they still try to prove how good they are with new pieces and being motivated by it. But I don't like the bench. And every conversation about them in the regular season has almost no impact on the playoffs now. Not with Bud in charge. And I'm not even knocking the head coach. It's just, it doesn't, none of this matters. None of this matters. And it's also why I think when you talk about the MVP stuff a little bit later, it's probably not going to matter what Giannis does because voters are going to go, ah, we already gave it to him and like, look what happened. So 
I mean, what is he going to do beyond what he did last year? So I think he'll be motivated for the contract. Um, I think they're going to pick off easy wins. The regular season part of this works, but none of this means anything. Like, none of this is my evaluation about them in the playoffs. He would basically have to average 37 and 20 to win a third straight MVP because <laughs> people just aren't going to vote for him this year. And that's just you're absolutely right. My uh, my motivation with the with the slight under, and I think it's going to be a slight under, is I think the top of the East got better, no question. And I think the middle class got better. I just think the conference sucked last year and it's a better conference. And granted, the bottom five are still bad, but that kind of that whiz Hawks level is just more competitive than it used to be in the past. And then Brooklyn is way better. And I think Philly's going to be better. The Celtics are about the same. Miami's going to be better as a regular season team. Indiana's more healthy. You, you talk me into line. it. You put you talk me into it. Put me down for an under. Wow. Okay. No, you're right. That middle, whatever, it, it shouldn't be the middle class because they're upper class and then there's a second tier. Uh, I think Those whatever two the tiers third are tier, way better. If there's four tiers in the East, the third tier is much deeper than it was before. But the bottom yeah. of it's so bad. Those teams down there are so bad that, you know, we'll get to it later. So, yeah, put me down as under. Okay. I'm sticking How's... with my over. I'm sticking with my over. Next one. Uh, this is my third bold prediction or fourth. I don't remember how many I have. Brooklyn Nets over under 45 and a half. Division plus 140. Conference plus 270. Title six to one. I think they're going to be the one seed. I think this team's going to be really good. I, I think they are absolutely loaded offensively. And granted, it was a stupid preseason game that I watched them destroy the Celtics. But they just have a ton of offense. This is a team that um, even if Kyrie, Kyrie is almost a luxury on this team, as weird as that sounds, because he's a max guy. Whatever he does for this team is an added benefit because they have all these other awesome pieces in place. They have a bench that can come in and actually extend leads with Dinwiddie and Levert. And Durant, to me, looks like he is 100% back. I, I cannot believe how good Durant looks. I, Durant is one of the five best players in the league again. Uh, Nash has been very careful about saying he's 100% back. He's saying, look, it's going to take a while. You got to use the rhythm or whatever. But he's basically saying Durant's back. And I think the MVP odds for him are dumb. I think they should be way lower. And just in general, I think this team's going to be really, 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 really good. And I'm going way, way over house. Yeah, I'm going to join you on that over. And the point you made about Kyrie as a luxury is, a, is to me, the, the crucial point. They can indulge him going off and doing all of the performative nonsense, whatever way he wants to express himself. They don't necessarily need him on the bas basketball court for many more than 60 of the 72 games. And that's right in line with how many basketball games he actually plays each year. He plays right. about, you know, 75% of, of, of the regular season um, and, and maybe some, some playoff games also. Let him go off and be on his own island when he plays and he's motivated and, and you know, they, they're, uh, they need him. Occasionally, he's incandescent and unstoppable, and that will be very good for them. But they're so deep, top to bottom. I, I absolutely was share your 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 uh, amazement at at Durant. Like, I mean, he looks just like how he looked eighteen months ago. It's it's kind of bizarre. And I think he's at peace in a lot of ways with this situation in a good way. I just think he likes it. I think he feels like this is his team. It's his coach. It's a coach that he has a good relationship. I don't think the relationship with Kerr was was 
even a relationship by the time he left the Warriors. And uh, everything revolves around him. And he's really motivated to be great again, you know? And I think when he got hurt, Russell and I were on this podcast talking about how we thought he was the best player in the league. And that included LeBron. And this was during the playoffs. I don't know if he'll ever be as good as he was during that stretch again, but I think he could be 97, 98% there. And the the one guy that really jumped out of me just in the preseason game was all the wide open shots Harris is going to get now. I to, You have Harris, who's one of the five best shooters in the league, who's now just wide open all the time and is perfect with Durant. And they have these different lineups where it's like whoever, Jared Allen, Durant, uh, Kyrie, Shamit, and Harris. And Shamit and Harris just in their two spots, just getting open shots as everybody tries to figure out who to guard. And they have a really good coach. I think Nash is going to be a great coach. I think he's been waiting for this moment for 20 years. Rosillo, what do you think? I'm over. Kyrie's the only thing that scares me if he decides yep. to go. Because it's just not a, ma- it's a matter of matter of if, it's when. When he just decides that he's going to be super difficult. He misses a ton of time. I mean, in the last five years, I think he's played. I, here's the number. Last five years, he's played 272 games. He's missed 128 of them. He's missed the playoffs in 18 and 20. So, I mean, look, he can burn whatever he wants. He can do this Kyrie, Kanye, Irving transformation that I've been talking about on my podcast. He can do all that stuff. But if he's winning games and getting you buckets and Durant's cool with it, then it's not matter. It's not going to matter because his team's really good. They can throw a lot of offense at you. They have a lot of depth. Um, this bullshit about DeAndre Jordan starting over Jared Allen and that kind of stuff, well, we'll worry about who's closing because yep. Jared Allen just gives them a better shot. I think Karis LeVert's a player that, you know, depending on how astute you are and how much you watch, I think there's some people that think he's amazing, and I think he's a guy that's really skilled and I kind of like, but I think it's dangerously aggressive out there at times. So I don't even know how he would fit. And I think Spencer did what he's going to be kind of miserable too at times. So there's there's little elements, but just if the basketball part of it all works out, and I am surprised so many people are like, man, Durant looks good again. Like, he's not 100. What did you expect? And his, his game is built on shooting and his handle. It's not about quick cutting unbelievable legit like when Westbrook ever declines it's going to be ugly Durant's always going to get you buckets by shooting so I like the basketball part of this as long as Kyrie can stay the course for a year I think you're good but I'm worried about it but I'll take the over the Dinwiddie piece is interesting because uh that Brooklyn game it seems like he's bought into this team I thought he was going to be unhappy heading into the season where do I fit in I got I'm going for a contract all that stuff and I think he's going to be really valuable for this team. And, you know, I I feel the same way that you do about Levert. You know, he can't be the focal point of a James Harden trade. That's ridiculous. But if he's the lead scorer on the second team who can come in and give you seven minutes in the second quarter where you can run plays for him, he's really good at that. And he's going against the other team's bench, by the way. I really like this team. Um, I can't believe I'm saying that because Kyrie's on it. But I think they all know Kyrie's a weirdo. I think Nash played with a bunch of weirdos on the Suns. He played with Dwight Howard. He's been around weirdos for his whole professional career. And I think he's going to know how to manage it. And I really think it's important that they got D'Antoni. You know, it's like D'Antoni was, he coached a 65-win team three years ago. And he's basically this completely overqualified offensive coordinator. I think this team is going to be uh, really, really, really gifted offensively. And, you know, look, it's it's a new group. They're going to have a couple moments when 
you know, somebody stands up to them, a couple hard fouls, somebody tries to get in Kyrie's head, somebody's super physical with them. They're going to have a moment. There's going to be some Kyrie controversy. There's going to be hiccups. But I think this is the best team in the East. We're going to see, though. We're going to see. Celtics, 44 and a half is the over-under, which translates to about 51 wins. They're plus 250 for the division, plus 600 for the conference, 16 and one win the title. Um, can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going under. I could hear in your voice. You can't believe it. I mean, that's just <laughs> the most bummed out you've been in three years. Very somber. I don't like a lot of what has transpired over the last uh, few months. They lose the Hayward asset for nothing. Turn it into Thompson, who by all accounts is one of the great behind-the-scenes guys. Um, to have him and Kemba from a chemistry standpoint, I think is incredible. And Grant Williams, I think everybody agrees those guys are awesome behind the scenes. The chemistry will be fine. I think scoring is going to be a real problem. You know, when you remove Kemba for their claiming it's only a month, I think it's going to be longer than that. And then you also lose Hayward as frustrating as he was. At least he's somebody that could run the offense a little bit and um, could get his own shot. If Hayward's like your fifth best player, that's pretty good. As right. bad as Hayward, as bad as the Hayward years went in Boston, it's still a ridiculous option to have. They um, put together this team that they have too many guys. I'm not sure how Stevens is going to find the minutes to make everybody happy. The Marcus Smart with like, well, Hayward's gone and no Kemba. I'm going to assert myself more offensively. It's like, please don't. And I, I got to be, I know it was one preseason game. I did not like what I saw from Tatum on Friday night because he was in hot shit mode. And the guy who was special last year was this guy who was just getting to the basket, getting his nine to 10 free throws a game. Not the pull up from 28 feet Kobe imitation guy. I just, I... I worry about this team. I worry that they feel like we're conference finalists. We're really good. And they took a step back. And uh, I'm going under on the 44 and a half. What do you have, House? I'm going over. I understand exactly what you're doing here with this reverse, you know, uh, poo-poo. It's not a reverse. I mean, we've seen it so many times over the years. This is a classic challenge to Brad Stevens that I think Brad Stevens is up for. The Celtics go over every year. They've gone over five of the past six. The only time they didn't go over is the year that you predicted they were going to go 80 and two. Um, and it, <laughs> they, the, the, this, this team, they basically traded Gordon Hayward for Tristan Thompson. And great that trade. W- that's a great trade. Exactly. Yeah. Precisely the point. The only thing that can, is concerning is Kemba's knee. I, and you, if he's out for more than a month, then it does get to be uh, a, an issue and they might sacrifice regular season wins. And this is how they would end up under sacrifice regular season wins to get him, you know, uh, really healthy all along the way, because your, your point is the right one. They have but a that, scoring but that's challenge my case, the second though, team. I understand. I, I don't like them as much as a regular season team. I think when we get to the playoffs and if Kemba's back, Thompson is a fully, a fully asserted Tice is now a backup guy. And then a couple of these young guys come through. I actually really, I think Pritchard might actually play for them and same for Neesmith, but it's going to take a few months to see what they have with those guys. I weirdly like this team more in the playoffs than the regular season. What do you, what do you have, Rosillo? 52, 53 wins in a regular season. That's a really good number. And it feels like it's Milwaukee and Brooklyn and then spots three, four, and five or some combinations of Philly Miami and Boston. And that's because I'm we'll get to Toronto in a little bit. So Boston's in that group. 
But at 52, 53 with the Kemba uncertainty, I'm going to go under. I'm going to go yeah. under. I just think I'm protecting myself for the Kemba part of this because I am not going to get freaked out about the preseason, but it's not the preseason. Marcus Smart, now that he's an acceptable shooter, now is going to take it to another level. And I, 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 am, I am so fucking over early shot clock Marcus Smart 25-footers <laughs> when Jason Tatum hasn't touched the ball yet that – Kemba at least prevents that because he's the one bringing the basketball up, depending on on some of that stuff. And I know all the great things Marcus Smart does, but when when another guy is out and Smart's in control of the basketball, even though he's a good passer, he's got a toughness. We all know all the stuff we all love about Marcus Smart, but the offensive part of that is tough. But I, you know, when you say in losing Gordon Hayward for nothing, if a guy's going to get one twenty and opt out, I mean, would you rather Miles Turner's eighteen million on the books for a couple of years and be stuck no, with that contract? I I I was happy that they didn't match a stupid contract for him. And okay. they basically turned him into Thompson. I was good with that. I'm just saying, you know, he was somebody that was important to them when he was healthy. The problem is he was never healthy, but yeah. they don't have anybody as good as him on the roster on the swingman standpoint. You look at Brown Tatum and then who's the backup swingman of those guys? It's basically Neesmith, Ojale, Javante Green. These guys are like barely, ro- barely NBA players, much less rotation guys. And I, you know, they, there's a little bit of a reckoning with the Celtics team, I think, because they've had a lot of draft picks over the last couple of years. They went all in on that, you know, giving a ton of money to Horford and Kyrie and Hayward and then having the two young guys and they had this window and now the window's kind of over and Brown and Tatum and Kemba are the three expensive guys. Um, and none of those rookies have really turned into impact guys, even as bench guys, you know, whether Grant Williams. That's a problem. Can, yeah. Yeah. Whether Grant Williams can do it, maybe. But, you know, every year it's like hero. You look at just Miami, two drafts in a row, Bam and Hero or two drafts in three years. And they just were never able to hit on any of those draft picks, whether they did it this year. I don't know. But I, I, I think they will be better as we get to the end of the season. I don't think this is a 52 win team, which is what that over under says. So I'm going under, uh, next one is Miami. So, you know, 43 and a half for the over under that gets you to a 51 and 31 season. They're minus 300 for the division plus 700 for the conference, 22 to one to win the title. And the case for them being better this year would just be hero and, uh, and Duncan Robinson being better. Um, you know, the guys that moved in and out, I think they're going to miss Crowder. I think they'll miss the malleability with him, uh, the ability to go a little small ball with him, whatever. Um, but for the most part, whatever Harkless is in now and Avery Bradley's Iguodala, they get him for a full year. They'll be fine. I, the, the reason I'm going over is I think Robinson and hero will be better this year. And I do think this is a top three team in the East. I think it's a really good team. So I'm going to go slight over for them. What do you have house? I'm also going over. Uh, this is a recurring theme with me with the top of the East. I haven't taken an under yet. But this Miami team, to me, speaking of dark horse, you know, don't sleep on them, franchises that might try and add a super duper star and really put a, you know their, their, their foot down in an effort to try and win the NBA title this year, that's Pat Riley. That's this Miami team. They do have pieces. I agree with the assessment that their developing players are are going to be better. And I also think that they did a good job of of shuffling. I think that that you know Harkless and Avery Bradley will both fit into what Spolstra wants to do. I think they're good additions. Kendrick Nunn is a is a good defensive player. Uh, you know they they're 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 
well conceived and deep across the board. So I, I like the Miami over. Rosilla? I was really curious to see what this number would come out at and, and Vegas nails it again, where they're not freaking out about them making the finals last year because they were a 49 win pace team in a normal season last year. Um, there's an argument to be made that it's it's one of the weaker teams that have made an NBA finals. So do we just go, oh, wow, they made it to the finals. They competed for a championship. They actually get a couple games off the Lakers, even with all those injuries. Now everybody's back and healthy like this team's going to run. And Vegas doesn't see it that way. But that's where I think the value is in this number at 50 wins. Go for it. I would bet the over here. Now, when we talked about Denver, you know, Jamal Murray showed us a version of himself that he had never been before. Butler also did that last year. And is he's not going to be like that for an entire regular season. I mean, his true shooting stuff from who he was in the playoffs to who he was in the regular season. I mean, he couldn't hit a shot from outside last year during the regular season. And then he's just an all world. And then it turns into this. How can people have Butler outside of their top five or top 10? You're like, oh, because of all the other years. I mean, last year was probably the second best season of his career. Will he be that same guy? Probably. I mean, look, let me not, let me rephrase it. He'll be just as motivated because it's Jimmy Butler. That's his DNA. But I don't know if the shooting and all that stuff's going to add up. But look, at, at where they're at, I, I like their number being lower going over than, say, a team like Boston that's still getting a couple wins higher in their projection. My only fear with the over and why I waffled on it a little bit was just we were so close to the end of last season. And, you know, they, with the bubble combined with four playoff rounds and the physicality of some of those games. And then eight weeks later, we're back. The Lakers are in the same position. Miami doesn't have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And I worry about them holding up physically, which is why I wouldn't bet this. But I, they're just going to be so good as a shooting team, especially with Dragic back. I really felt like, I know you said they were a 49-win team last year. I thought the team that ended round three was not a 49-win team anymore. I actually thought they they tapped into something that is going to translate to this season. Like that the, they just kind of learned how to play with each other. And, uh, and I don't know the collective basketballness of, of who they have, what yeah, it, look, all it brings it, to the what, table, all that stuff. I think what it's if, higher. What if hero is way more stable as a player and lights it up? You know, what if, what if Duncan is passable on defense? Mo Harkless isn't going to be as aggressive as Crowder, probably as an offensive decision maker. But what if Avery Bradley covers now for Dragic where he doesn't feel like he's worn out all the time? So yeah, there's there's way I'm I'm with you and I'm not trying to diminish what that run was because that was a special run. Uh, what that group did, how they just came together. Um, but I think there's way more, way more ways to spin this into a positive about where they're where they're headed. And they have, you know, look, every every one of these teams, you always feel like, oh, I'd like a little bit more depth. I mean, you know, look, that's the problem. You're not going to have nine guys you're in love with. I've always kind of liked Harkless House. Me too. I'm I'm, I'm excited Why? to see him. I don't know. He's one of those guys I've always been waiting for him to find the right team. And now I think he's been on about eight teams. You've but, been very patient. Yeah, I've been really patient. <laughs> I mean, there's a year I wanted the Celtics to get him. Next one is uh, Toronto, which is 42 and a half. That translates to about 50. Plus 440 to win the division, plus 850 for the conference, plus 540 not to make the playoffs house. I'm not going to do that. I like Nick Nurse. Okay. Um, center wise, they've downgraded from Abaka and Gasol to Aaron Baines and Chris Boucher, who I kind of like Chris Boucher, actually. I'm excited to see what he does for them. I've always dreaded him. Ananobi is going to be more featured this year. Kyle Lowry, who's 
kind of secretly in his mid thirties. We don't talk about it, but that's where he is. He's in his mid thirties now as a as a guard. I think he was top five in minutes last year too. Yeah, he's. I I did this when I did the Chris Paul book of basketball podcast about how rare it is for a guy in his 14th season just to average like a 15 and six. It's happened like five times in the history of the league. Kyle Lowry's one of the five. I don't love their bench. Uh, would be one thing that would make me nervous. But just in general, it, this feels like a team that had its last great run last year, really going toe-to-toe with the, with the Celtics team that was better than them and almost pulling out that series. I do not think this is a 50-win team, which is basically what the over would be if you're doing this. So I'm going to go slight under on this one. What do you have, Rosillo? I don't like going under against Nick Nurse. I just don't because, uh, you know, I'm not going to then because it's right, it's right at it. I think I've also seen it 41 and a half. Uh, I, the, the bigs part of this, this is a problem because Baines also, I know everybody's like, oh, hey, they got Aaron Baines. They're fine. I think the Abaca and Gasol drop off because Gasol was was a matchup guy. He wasn't a good matchup against Boston, so you don't want to use that entirely and say, oh, that's why he's not going to be any good anymore because he just wasn't good in that series. That's not fair. But to lose both of those guys to go to Aaron Baines, whose three-point shooting I think tailed off to reality at some point. And I'm going to say this too. Siakam, I think we have to reset who we think he can be. So from an unknown to this is amazing to, oh my God, look at the start of the season to, wait, is he super predictable? in a playoff series because when he's not pre-programmed with what he wants to do with the basketball, is he actually kind of easy to stop? He was terrible in that series. And he his numbers declined over the course of the full year. And I know he's worth the money. He's a great story and all that stuff, but he's going to be the man. Like he's going to be the man to carry this over. And Van Vliet's going to help on the Lowry part of it. So I'm still going to go over because I think the bottom of the East is so atrocious and that nurse will just out-scheme people night in and night out, even when, you know, the playoff-wise, though, I, I look at them entirely different now. I thought House was going to be the one to bring up Siakam. Well, House, I, was, I, House was minus 240 to have a one-minute Siakam <laughs> thing. I, I'm with you. I don't, the Siakam, you know, that then after they're saying, hey, he didn't handle the bubble very well, there was some Siakam excuses that definitely got floated out. Um, I just don't. I don't really get it. If he's your best guy, are you a 50-win team? My answer would be no. What do you think, Huss? That That is precisely the, the challenge. You're, you need Siakam to not just be as good as his best was last year. You need him to be even a little bit better because you need to cover up the natural uh, decline that Kyle Lowry's going to experience because he's, whatever, 30 Eight going on fifty-seven. I mean, I know that I'm thirty-eight. You just added years to his I, career. I, I, this, this, that was the joke. All right, but you're you're asking a lot of Kyle Lowry. You're asking a lot of OG Ananobi. Maybe OG's got it. I'm rooting for him to 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 got it. But you're also asking a lot of Pascal. Now, Rosillo hit the most salient point, which is going against Nick Nurse is a great way to lose money. Um, but I think it's like a tiny under. Because I think that there's a slight decline in Lowry. I think we the league has figured out Pascal Siakam. And, you know, what Ananobi brings to the table by his elevated role is too much of an unknown for me to jump on the over. I was shocked by what the Celtics did to Siakam. And it reminded me a little bit of the two. This will really resonate with Brasillo and maybe three other people listening to this podcast. But Antoine Walker. <laughs> who we thought as a certain guy 
And then he ran into Kenya Martin two years in a row in the playoffs. And by the end of it, it was just all of us were like, oh, okay. So he's not an all-star. Kenya Martin <laughs> just destroyed. He just literally destroyed him. And, uh, and I wonder with Siakam, if there's a little residue of that, because the Celtics, they, their disdain for his offense was really kind of telling during that series. They were like, please, we're, we're not doubling you. Good luck. We'll have Jalen. We're going to guard with Marcus Smart. We'll put hey, Ojale hey, look, on at you. Least, at least for employee number eight, it was Kenyon Martin. There was times Semi Ojale was unimpressed with Siakam. Yeah, <laughs> it's not great. So we'll see. Siakam is definitely a guy to watch. Uh, all right, so I'm going under. House going under. Rosillo going over. The Sixers are 42 and a half as well. They are plus... They were plus 390. I think that dropped to uh, to plus 350 for the division. 24 to 1 for the title. Um, more shooting. Seth Curry, Danny Green. They got rid of Al Horford. The team, just even looking at it on paper, makes more sense. We'll see what happens with Shake Mil- Milton. My guy Thibault, the best player in the league. He's still By there. By the way, Shake Milton... If he's going to be playing point, this team might figure out some things. I <laughs> <laughs> saw what you did there. Uh, Simmons is healthy. Dwight Howard is the wild card. And then, no, he uh, isn't. He's not going to Wild card is the per- personality wild card. And then, uh, I don't know, Maxie might play for this team. Maxie, to me, if I'm Shake Milton... And they, they've done a nice job of being like, oh, Shake Milton is important. But I could see Maxi taking all of Shake Milton's minutes by the all end of All of that Shake Milton energy has been transferred to, to Tyrese Maxi. It could, it could <laughs> happen. Somehow. <laughs> My biggest concern with this team would be the Doc Rivers piece. Because uh, you read all the stuff about the Clippers last year, and it just seems like he just wasn't working hard as the Clippers coach and was letting the players decide when the practice was and was getting out-schemed and got completely destroyed in the Denver series. And I think from a personality standpoint, he will build up Simmons and will build up Embiid. And I think Daryl will too. Daryl behind the scenes, he knows how to like, you know, push all the right buttons with the superstars and the owners there do that. And they're going to really push this Simmons Embiid thing, assuming Simmons is still there. Um, I think as a regular season team, I really like this team. I do not trust them as a playoff team. I'm going over. 42 and a half. And I, I think I might make it one of my locks too. I, this is a guaranteed 50 win team to me in a real season house. I am joining you in the over and I'm surprised to hear you, uh, offer all that slander against doc rivers. Doc rivers is singularly <laughs> the, the difference between this team and last year with Brett fucking Brown. Fair. I mean, like, do you think that's a tiny upgrade? Whatever personality and managing, you know, super duper stars out in La La Land and wherever Doc found himself in terms of golf memberships and whatever he wanted to do with his life out in L.A., this is an entirely different situation. He's got kids. He's invigorated here. Seth Seth Curry is family, baby. I like right. this, this, this Sixers uh, team, and I think the entire, you know, uh, uh, institution of the Sixers is greatly improved over what they've been over the last, you know, handful of years. If, if we're going to find out for sure, whether Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can coexist for the first time that they've both been on the team. Well, at least they have a team that actually makes sense when they're playing five guys together now, where it's like, Oh, we should probably have a couple shooters with these guys. Like, yeah, you think <laughs> you think that would be a good idea? I love Simmons. I voted for him for third team on NBA la- uh, last year. I also like the fact that now that Horford's out, Harris can play a little power forward. Simmons can play a little power forward. The team just makes more sense. What do you think, Rosillo? Do people still send their kids to those 
like scared straight camps for troubled youths. You probably had to look into it for Ben, right? Yeah, at some point, <laughs> maybe like a year away, a couple years from now. <laughs> when he when he has to get a tattoo, that's when I'll I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> this team needed this because, and I'm going to give you some credit on this one, Bill. When everybody was in this this tank, tank, tank thing, writers like tanking. I believe writers like tanking because people from outside of sports were being able to run these front offices, and those people reminded writers of themselves. So then writers selfishly were kind of like, and look, we're no different podcasts. So it's the whole deal where you're like, maybe I could run a team. Maybe I could do that. So I always felt like people rooted for the Sam Hinkies because it was like, it felt a lot more close than, say, being, I don't know, I mean, pick a guy. Uh Danny Ainge or Bob Myers who played in college and was an agent, all that kind of stuff. All right. So when you tank and that's your, that's your NBA birth is to suck. You develop bad habits. Everyone that's been around the Sixers team over the years, like man, Ben, Joel, like these two guys, they don't get along first of all. And like, they've only learned probably some pattern stuff that the wrong way. This is like going away to one of those scared straight camps for basketball. And that doc, at the very least, even if you think he sucked with his rotations with the Clippers, which is evidence he did his personality alone, where he'll be like, all right, enough of this shit. Like, what are you guys doing? That itself is a win. And even though I too am scared about how they're going to get unlocked offensively when it's bad, like they have no makes at the rim. This team's like one of the worst teams in the league with actually getting buckets at the rim. And that's embarrassing with the size advantage that they've had, but it's because everything's so clogged. So with the shooting and with Doc, I have the over because of the projection of 49-50 wins. I have the over. It doesn't mean I love him in the playoffs because I still have to see it look a lot better in the regular season for me to start picking him against teams in the seven-game series. Key point about the Brett Brown to Doc upgrade, at least from a personality standpoint. This is a team that literally quit in the bubble, couldn't wait to go away and had their plane tickets ready to get out of there for the sweep. Um, the Embiid thing is a top three most fascinating subplot this season. And we don't need to spend 20 minutes going. We just need to see him get it. If he can only dedicate himself. If Doc can't reach him, I would start to get worried because this is what Doc does. At least in the early stages, Doc builds people up and they like him. And whether that lasts maybe four years in, maybe you don't like him as much. I don't know. But you know, he navigated a pretty weird Clipper situation there for at least a couple of years, and they were a contender. Now, granted, they choked in the playoffs in 14 and 15, but the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, as Blake's ascending as the guy who's jumping over Kia's, and then Chris Paul comes in, he's like, this is my team. They had to deal with some shit with that team that I thought he navigated really well the first couple of years. Who gets, who gets announced last when they're doing the national anthem? All that little stuff, Doc's good at. And Doc was able to do the same thing with the Celtics, with the Ray and Paul and KG and Ray not getting as many shots and then Rondo ascending and then trying to figure out how to manage all that stuff. He's good in chaos. And this is a chaotic team. And I, I think he'll help them. Or I the very basic about. thing. Like, think about that Celtics Sixers series where the first thing everybody did that was prepared would attack Canner when he came in defensively. High high screen roll, let's get Canner showing and try to get him backpedaling, and it's just a bucket. It's a bucket. The Sixers had games where they didn't remember that you could do that until the fourth quarter. They did it in one specific game, and I couldn't. And I never pretend that I have it figured out because I didn't play at a high level. I wasn't coached at a high level. These guys understand basketball so much better than us. But when it's glaring that you're like, you guys didn't remember to attack Canner until the yeah. fourth quarter. Like that's, I, and the funny thing is, Brett, nice guy, everybody loves him. People, people did like this 
wake for his career when you go, look, he got paid a ton and was given multiple chances. They even let him coach the guys that he was there for tanking, and it was just time to move on. It just was, and I think every Sixers fan understands that. Yeah, losing the 2018 series to Boston was pretty indefensible, too, because they had more talent and... You know, there's no Kyrie and no Hayward. You lose the series anyway. Yeah, that um, series is worse than the one without Simmons. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's bad. Uh, all right, we're all going over for that. Indiana's 37 and a half. In a lot of ways, this is the most intriguing team of all the playoff teams, just from a ceiling basement standpoint, where you could tell me, like, this could be a traditional 50-win team because they have a ton of talent. You could tell me it's going to be a really unhappy year and Turner's going to be unhappy as a trade rumors. Old Depot's going to be unhappy because he's got a contract coming up. He's not getting the ball enough. Uh, you got a lot of people who pro- you have one, two, three, four people, Brogdon, Old Depot, Warren, Sabonis, who all probably think they're the best player on this team. That worries me. But the over under is 37 and a half, which translates to 44 wins. I, this team has way too much talent in my mind to be a 44, 38 team. And I also feel like you forget how good Sabonis is. And I like their bench. I like the two holidays. I really like Doug McDermott. I don't mind TJ McConnell. Um, I don't know. I, this to me is at least a mid forties win team. I am going over house. I'm joining you on that over. Um, this is, I keep the, the top, I I'm going to go over on seven of the eight, uh, playoff teams in, in the East. And, and I understand that the math doesn't work, but this number feels very, very low to me for all the reasons that you just made. Plus, I mean, I, I, that new coach, Nate Bjorkgren, Bjorkgren, I believe. Bjorkgren, yeah. Bjorkgren. But it looks like Bjork, no relation to the Icelandic pop star. I mean, I, I wanted to try and go in that direction, but I, you know. I'm going to be calling um, him Nate this season. Just Nate. Coach, <laughs> coach Nate, Nate. Which is fine because they already had a coach Nate. So you yeah. can't really go wrong. You can't be wrong with it. But yeah, I think they're like seven deep. This team to me has the assets for a, a mega trade also, which that puts them in a, in a very uh, enviable. Your big trade projection over under guy house. Yeah. I remember this yeah. in your scouting report. Well, I just like, you know, when you <laughs> see all the assets and maybe we've had, we've had some history of the pieces not fitting and some guys have spread expressed small reservations about the way the thing is formulated. It, the way for this to go South is the guys, all, all four guys that think they're the best, um, you know, c- causing mutual destruction. But uh, I think they're deep. I mean, I think that that's like an eight to nine rotation uh, team. They absolutely killed teams that were under 500 last year. They were 30 and 12 against teams under Mm. 500. So I just love those franchises, those teams, those coaches that say, look, we're not going to go lose to shitty teams and we're going to pad our regular season record that way. And I there's nothing that, that about this Pacers roster that suggests to me they won't do the same thing this year. Well, and they also solved the pivotal problem. They, they really couldn't figure out how to just make this a Sabonis team and Turner's, you know, the seventh man. Um, he was in trade talks for Hayward constantly. And now at least Turner knows that they were not only trying <laughs> to trade him, but nobody wanted him, you know? And now, now this team falls into place. Cause I just look at crunch time and they have the ability to go Aaron holiday, Brogdon and Oladipo. If they want to go small with Warren as like an, undersized four and Sabonis and just be like, Hey, we're spreading you out. We're going to, we're going to, uh, throw a shitload of offense on you. 
I like the guys they have on this team. I'm with House. It does feel like they need a trade. Rosilla, what what did you see your intel say on Oladipo? What do we make? Well, everybody he knows was, he, he was a top out. 15 guy two years ago. Well, he was incredible to start the year two years ago. I mean, he was he was awesome. I, like, no one seems to agree with me on this one. I thought his movement, as we all know, I'm a big movement guy. I thought his movement when he came back from the injury was better. His production was terrible. So that gives me hope. But Oladipo has a weird deal where if he bounces, bounces, he can get paid more than the Pacers can pay him. So I, I don't know that anybody's in a hurry to see him or to trade for him until we see like a couple months of him looking good again. I think he's going to be good again. I really do. But then if you're TJ Warren too. and you go, did you see my game log from what we did? Yeah, you were there for it. Brogdon's going to want his. Turner's still going to want to get buckets because he shoots. And Sabonis has to clean it all up for everybody. So the the intel on Oladipo is definitely a wait and see. But I almost feel like the market needs a correction that, hey, there's a chance. Like People are acting like he was this, ah, maybe I'll go grab Oladipo. And I'm thinking there's a version of getting Oladipo where it could really be a great thing for you right now. But I think the Pacers are going to wait it out. They were a they were a 45 win team last year in 73 games. The projection on this one is 43. It's an over. It's an over with the bad part of the part of the East. I like their starting was, five. I thought it was really weird that they were trying to get Hayward. It's a lock. Okay. Oh, uh, well, I think there's a there, there's another version of Hayward where if he ever got back to who he was. That you go, wait, did we did we just add a top 30 player? Because the injuries aren't like Achilles or ACL. They're just a bunch of injuries where stuff breaks all the time. No? Plus just, the comfort of going back to Indiana, right? Like they 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 thought uh that they could help him resuscitate his career by a, a change of scenery that wasn't just, you know, a different place like Charlotte. Charlotte's just a different place. Indiana's home, right? I think for them, it was more a case of getting off that Miles Turner contract. You'd be like, oh, cool. We'll turn Turner and McDermott and a number one pick into Hayward. And more importantly, we won't have Turner anymore. That, that was my read of that. I'll share this with you, too, because then when it was starting to get expanded out, like, hey, is there any way? And I would ask other teams, like, hey, you kick the tires on Turner. And people were like, no. <laughs> right. Right. What? I was like, what? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I haven't liked him for a while, even though I think he's talented. I'm not saying he's not a talented player, but I think he's a frustrating player. And I think at that number, you know, well, it's like the Steven Adams thing. You, why would you pay $18 million to a center when you can patch together a center for half the price? You know, you get Robin Lopez for 7 million a year. Try to pay Robin Lopez seven or Miles Turner 18. Um, Speaking of Robin Lopez, we're going to take a break before the most exciting part of this podcast, the Washington Wizards over under right after this. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, a award winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60 day money back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is simply safe with two eyes, simplysafe.com 
slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, House. Washington Wizards, 33 and a half. Basically, you don't even have to be a 500 team to cover that. That's like a 40 and 42, 39 and 43 type of season. Time for a bold prediction. I have the Wizards in the playoffs. Wow. Yeah. I think they are a playoff team. I think they'll have a winning record. They are minus 110 to make the playoffs. I really, guess what? I really like having Westbrook and Beal on the same team. You know why? Because both of those guys are going to play every game. They're going to average 52 to 58 points per game combined. Um, They really try hard. And on offense. on offense, Westbrook was a top fifteen guy last year. Whether whether he belonged there was or not, he? well, he made the All NBA team. I know, I know. I'm just saying. Uh, and, <laughs> but it's a thirty in team league. Months. It's a thirty team league. They have two of the best thirty players in the league. However, you want to slander Westbrook, it's fine. But he's still a top thirty guy. I really like Bertans as playing off those off them. I liked the Israeli. I who House and I have decided he might be thirty years old because he he just. <laughs> He doesn't seem like a rookie at all. The way he plays, it just seems like he's like, oh, eight-year veteran, Denny Avgia. But he's going to play. The thing, House, the thing you have to love is you have professional basketball players. You go eight or nine deep with two guys who are going to average 55 a game. I don't see how this is an an above 500 team. Well, look, I feel like this is you giving me a Christmas present uh, by by all this effusive praise. I'm not sure that there are eight NBA guys on this team, but I really appreciate the vote of confidence. I do know this. I do know that the stories that have come out, and Michael Lee uh, had a story in the Washington Post today that talked about Westbrook, you know, uh, the experiment in Houston not going right for a whole bunch of reasons and how this situation in Washington. Yeah, this is was a shocking. Much- this was shocking that Westbrook was was got a local guy to back him <laughs> immediately right out of the gate. I, wait, I, I, wait, was, wait, I was blown Mike, away by Michael Lee. Yeah, we like Michael Lee. Writer. No, yeah, Michael, Michael, Lee's, Michael Lee's great, but I'm just saying that, it, it you know, the, the change of scenery piece that it starts right. with any it is new a, guy. It's a but look, look, it's right. not just change of scenery. It's reconnecting with Scotty Brooks who really understands <laughs> Russell. That's yes. the best Scotty Brooks right. unleashed yes. the best yes. Russell Westbrook. Of course Westbrook sucks. Brooks is afraid of him. He doesn't want to say anything to him. <laughs> Westbrook's never been happier. He, Westbrook hopes they trade Beal. No, no, he does no, not. How dare no, you? Those That's guys, slander. First of all, let's, let's be honest. Beal I'm made kidding. the trade. I'm um, kidding. No, I like this team, though. And, and Thomas Bryant, I don't. he's the wild card to me if this is actually an above 500 team because he... Is he a good stats, ba- good stats, bad team guy, or is he actually somebody who could be an asset? Uh, in general, though, I like the Robin Lopez thing too. House thought I was kidding the last time we talked about it. I really like Robin Lopez. I really do. I was hoping the Celtics would sign him, but in general, can you be an eight seed or a seven seed if you have Westbrook, Beal, and a bunch of decent role players around them? My answer is yes. What do you think, Rosillo? I have him in the playoffs because even though there's playoff Rondo, there's regular season Russ. And I mean, honestly, it'd be kind of embarrassing for Westbrook and Beal to be on the same team and not make the playoffs in the East. Totally agree. Right? I, that's like, why if, I'm so stunned by the over. I, I thought for sure it was going to be like 37. When I said they think they should be in the playoffs, I probably rounded them up too high because when you look at the East, it almost feels a little bit like the West where you go in the East, you go, what do we get? Seven spots that are locked. So if that's Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Miami, Philly, Boston, Toronto, Indiana, 
right? Stop me. I mean, do I? Does it feel crazy to say those seven spots are locked against sports? I don't think I, Toronto is locked for me. Okay, that's fine. I'll I'll concede that one. But Washington, if if Westbrook's who he thinks he is, and and Beal's who he thinks he is, then you got to make the playoffs. You got to make the playoffs. You got to be the eighth seed. You got to be the seven or eight seed in this deal. So I, I took the over because I I really think that. You know, Westbrook's going to get the bucks. Hey, have you read anything? Has Westbrook told Bryant and Rui and the rest of Bertons that they're not allowed to get rebounds? But that's what Rob, Robin Lopez is one of the best people in the league at, at boxing other people out. So somebody like Westbrook could actually get the rebound. Does Brooks handle that? Does I don't Brooks look, have a team meeting where you can try all of We have a real uh, international kumbaya moment coming together here in Washington. We have uh, the, the Latvian laser labor. <laughs> Latvian laser, Davis Bertans. We have Isaac Bonga and Mo Wagner from Germany. Uh, Raul Neto from from Brazil. Danny Abdi. This is hilarious. Me trying to Abdi-ja. say this. Abdija. Abdija. It's A F D. Abdija. Uh, with with uh, Israeli Ser- Serbia background, and obviously Rui, who's out for three weeks because he has infections in both of his eyes. Um, from born in Japan. Mm. Can I give you the best bet of the of the whole podcast? House is actually going to leave the podcast to go make this. So FanDuel, our friends at FanDuel, they have odds to make the play-in tournament. So it's basically you're betting on a team to be either the 7, 8, 9, or 10 seed because the play-in tournament is going to have, those are the seeds. The Washington Wizards are minus 110 to make the play-in tournament in the Eastern Conference. I'm making that the lock of the podcast because they're not going to be one of the top six teams. Even if you think Toronto falls out, I still think the other teams are better than them. There's a chance they might pass Indiana if we think Westbrook and Bill are going to be as good as as potentially they are on paper. But House, minus 110. Would there be a more Wizards moment than for them to be the seven seed all they have to do is win one game to advance and then blowing it and not make the, the playoffs, even though you're the seventh seed. It'd be very wizardsy. Well, they, no, they, they just have to make the play in tournament. They don't have to actually w- w- win, do they? Isn't the odds to, just to make that little mini tournament? Right. That's what I mean. I can yeah. see them making the play in tournament and then somehow not making the playoffs because they're well, the wizards. I, I'd rather, I mean, I'd rather win that bet if if only I had a, uh, if I knew somebody with a, a giant wallet, like I'd love to borrow like a thousand bucks from somebody like <laughs> Rosillo. Uh, he doesn't pay yeah. anybody back. He doesn't pay people back. <laughs> you still owe Rosillo $200. That well, juice is I, still running. It was if I won, If I won that bet, I could pay him back. If I if I got a thousand, if I had eleven one thousand one hundred ten dollars to win a thousand, then I could I could go ahead and and and, and I love, pay, pay Rosillo back. I like I like all the Wizards bets. I just think Westbrook. Here's what Westbrook is: twenty seven ninety nine every night. You can you can hate him, you can not like watching it, but that's what he's going to put up every night. And Beal is twenty six to thirty every night. I know what I'm getting with those two guys. I just I don't think be, I don't know. We'll see what okay, happens. Okay, the, the rest of the this way. is good. It's going to be the most fun version of Westbrook in five years. That that I I feel pretty comfortable. He won saying. the he won the MVP three years ago, didn't he? Yeah, that we didn't have. Fun. That wasn't fun. Yeah, I we didn't, didn't have fun it. watching that. You know, <laughs> they won four. Oklahoma games. City had a lot they, of fun because he they stayed. won one playoff game. He wanted to stay. He wasn't Durant, and he stayed in Oklahoma City, and he brought them to a very competitive first round exit. I admired I, all of it. I admired all of it. I just didn't think he he should have been the MVP. I knew once we got to the two hour and twenty minute. Mark of this podcast. It's when really things are going to heat up. Important question. 
Is this the best uniform, like for Westbrook, just how he's looked in a uniform? Is this the apex? Because I really like him in the Washington uniform. I think he looks fantastic. Just like, feels like, a, like the right fit for him. I didn't looks, have this in my prep notes, so yeah. I'm going <laughs> to... Well, think about... So he's on the Thunder for all those years. Terrible uniforms in the Thunder. I, don't, I didn't, never understood I like some of the retro for. blue ones, eh. but... And then, and then uh, the Rockets uniforms are just perennially atrocious. And then he goes on the Wiz, and it's like, oh. Especially yeah. when they wear Bullets throwbacks. Captain America. Oh, USA. Look amazing. USA. Uh, USA. I, I'm so happy with the uh, Wizards. Uh, and I'm equally happy to, uh, to take a crap on this next team, the Atlanta Hawks, who's over <laughs> under is 34 and a half. They are plus 600 to win the division and minus 122 to make the playoffs, plus 108 to bet against them to miss the playoffs. I see a team that's not going to be able to guard any team in the league. And I see a team that is a fantasy team. And people are like, oh, the Hawks. Oh, well, they could get the seventh seed. I don't see it. I don't think Trey Young's fun to play with. I know he puts up stats, but I still don't think he has figured out the part of the game that he's got to make everybody else better. And I know people are going to be like, well, what about his assists? What about his assists? It's a lot of standing around and watching him and catering to the whole Trey Young experience. He hasn't won anything yet. And then they just put a bunch of other offensive players around him. Who's doing the dirty work on this team, Marcillo? That's supposed to be Chris Dunn. And you could tell, like, all right, they bring in Gallinari, which is fine because they have they have these rookie wings that they hope are going to work out. And the early returns haven't been great. It's way too early to start writing off DeAndre Hunter or Cam Reddish. Okay, that's not fair. They've been trying to trade John Collins for, like, ever. And so they bring in Capello, who actually hasn't played for him yet. They bring in Danilo to think, okay, at least with him, we have a score that we like that can do a few different things. They have Bogdanovich to play off of. But then they're also, at the same time, hoping that Rondo probably puts Trey under his wing. I, I expect Rondo to yell at Trey Young at some point very early in the season because he's not going to give a shit. And then Chris Dunn's supposed to cover for some of that defensive stuff. So I, I get what they were doing, but the number is a massive number. They were 20 and 47 last year. I don't know if people remember how terrible this team was. They were 20 and 47. So figure if they got to 70 games, maybe 22. And the projections here, the over-under is 34 and a half. I've seen it at 36 and a half in some books. You're yeah, by, by they, the way, it was it's 35 and a half, not 34 and a half. It's actually gone up. Okay. I saw it at 36 and a half over the weekend, so maybe it's 35 and a half now. We're talking about a 13 game jump with this group. That's putting a lot of faith into that. That's why I have an underfest coming here in the East alone. But yes. I don't know that people are really looking at the if you're just writing the Hawks in as the ace, like, hey, they added all these guys, Trey Young's an all-star. Yeah, they're they're at the least an eight seed. I think that's way more challenging. I'm not saying it's impossible. It just seems way more challenging than I think some of the previous stuff I've looked at. It's a weird team house. It's a weird collection of guys who you'd want in a fantasy team, but I'm not sure you'd want them in real life. I mean, I, this, this is exactly the, the criticism, and it feels like all of the NBA punditry is is on it, and I think public sentiment feels the 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 opposite way. Look at all the guys that they added. You know, the public loves these, these uh, names, you know, Right, exactly. I I still can't imagine Trey Young playing competent NBA defense. And until we see an indication that he is capable of competent NBA defense, he's a gigantic liability. I mean, well, how about and, this? Hold on, let me interrupt you fast. Trey Young, Bogdanovich, and Gallinari. Right. None of those guys can guard Rosillo. Well, anyway, keep going. 
No, that that's it. You beat me to the to the punch. I mean, that that is the 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 whole of it. And it feels like these additions could have the effect of getting in the way of some of these draft picks that they brought in the development of uh, guys like DeAndre Hunter and and you know ultimately Cam Reddish. They want to know what what they've got with him. Um, maybe they, are, they are maybe they already know. The word is on the on like whatever the word on the street around the league is that Travis the GM and then Pierce the the coach that these guys are out of there. So they went all so it can feel like it's getting in the way of all the draft picks that they've added. But instead, it's like, hey, is there any way that Hunter or Reddish are better than Danilo Gallinari, a healthy Danilo Gallinari this year? No, no. So let's do this. And then the fact that Nate McMillan was brought in to be an assistant. You know, people are like, okay, do they already have their plan here if things don't get off to a good start? They've got to defend to a passable level. But the funny thing is they sucked on offense last year, too. So for all the Trey Young love, they were the 26th best offense. Sounds like an under to me. The the thing with Trey Young is really is generational because, like, my son loves Trey Young. And in 2K, he knows him from 2K, basically. He's like, Trey Young's amazing in 2K. And he put up big stats last year. The team never won. And I, I just look, I guess prove us wrong with wins. That's, that's how you're going to impress the three people on this podcast, play winning basketball. Let's see it. I watched a preseason game the other night with Memphis and Atlanta when Grayson Allen beat him off the dribble and he just shoved them from behind and got a flagrant foul. It was like weird. It was like, it's your third year in the league. What do you, why are you acting like you're hot shit? You haven't even come 10 wins from making. Oh, but he is yet. though. He, he gets named all the stuff. He gets his own shoe, but I'm, you know, look, I've already done my Trey Young rants. I'm just waiting for the rest. I'm just waiting for everybody else. None to of us up. are against Trey Young. We just want to see it translate to some wins before we start throwing a party for Trey Young. We've seen a lot of people over the years put up big stats on bad teams. It doesn't impress me. Doesn't impress Rosillo. Doesn't impress House. Um, and I think this team is very weirdly constructed. I really don't get it. I, Bogdanovich is not a good defensive player. I like Bogdanovich, but to me, he's like, you know, he's the guy you'd want in that Levert spot for Brooklyn, where it's like, come in off the bench, be instant offense for us, and we'll protect you defensively. What well, he was just... going to be in Milwaukee, in fact. Right. Uh, all right. We're all going under for them. Charlotte is thir- 26 and a half. So now we're having a major drop off here. 26 and a half translates to about 31 wins. Um, there's guys on this team that I like, and it looks like Malik Monk. I, I saved all my Malik Monk stock. Uh, there's, there's a chance. Yeah. There's a chance. Yeah. There's a chance. He's been super disappointing too. Yeah. There's a chance. I I might not give up on that. PJ Washington. Uh, he's been okay. Devante Rogier. The Lamello thing is going to hold this team hostage for better and worse. He's really fun to watch. He can't shoot. I can't emphasize it strongly enough. He is when he takes those runners or, it looks like he's shooting a bowling ball. It, 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 you never think it's going it ever. And yet incredible feel. I like how it rebounds. I've liked what I've seen. He just seems like a project to me. Okay. All right. We have to just share with everybody. We'll pull the curtain up here a little bit. I'm in the middle of my college football Saturday and these are big games. Yeah. And I'm on a text thread with Bill with house and KOC. And all of a sudden Bill is losing his mind about LaMelo and you were all the way in in five possessions. Yeah. And now it sounds like you've, I feel like you're correcting your own LaMelo market 
And I think I, you were trying to turn me into some mellow shrapnel there, too. Because my whole point was his approach to the games in Australia were garbage. But I understood the part where you talk yourself into him because of the height, the vision, and all that kind of stuff. So it sounds like you're cooler on him today in the pod than you were just on a text thread a week ago. Is that what's going on here? I think he's going to shoot. I think he's going to shoot 32% this season. What do you Did you just have a heart attack? What happened no, to you? I, I'm losing power. <laughs> <laughs> How scary the pod! <laughs> Man's down. Well, I I, I uh, can't carry the pod with anything having to do with Lamelo Ball. I just do love watching him play, and I love watching um, the Charlotte team. I think that when they come on, I'm going to sit and watch five minutes of them. The the Devonte Graham, PJ Washington. How does Hayward fit into this? It just is 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 a land of misfit toys in a way. But Lamelo Ball swagger is is enough to to have me watch five minutes of, of the team. I think the number for them is exactly on the money. Um, I I would like bet it. You know, the over under. What did we say? Twenty six and a half. I mean, I think it's a it's an under because I think they're going to win twenty six. Yeah, the thing with me with LaMelo is he's so tantalizing, you have to play him, but I'm not sure he's going to translate to a lot of winning success, uh, at least for year one. And then on top of it, like I just think Hayward is not going to give them what what they seem to think he's going to give. <laughs> I certainly don't think he's a $30 million player. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm going uh, I'm going under for Charlotte. Rosilli, you going under for Charlotte? I just told you I'm having an underfest with with a bunch of these teams here in the second bottom, whatever you want to call the the seven outside of the eight. So yeah, uh, so under know, all the way around for every team. The rest of the, no, there's no, still no, one. The Charlotte under twenty six and a half. Or I'll say an under. Um, they're competitive. They're really competitive in a lot of games. And they still lost them. They're, they're, they might be. They might end up having like the same record even with Hayward. Chicago's 28 and a half. This is a team that's gotten weirdly the same kind of, uh oh, watch out for these guys, buzz that the Wizards have gotten. Is Billy Donovan head coach? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm going under basically on, on every team we have the rest of the way. The Bulls over under is 28 and a half, which translates to about like a 34 and 48, 35 and 47 type thing. The marketing thing, the fact that they didn't extend him, I thought was pretty strange when you see some of the people that did get extensions, because I really like marketing. It made me wonder if they're going to trade them. I don't like their bench. And the only way I see this hitting over is if Patrick Williams is really good coming out of the gate. Do we think that's a possibility, Rosillo? No, I, I don't. That okay. would surprise me. I think he's going to have some awesome highlights, but somebody you're depending on. I mean, they got to figure out marketing. They got to figure out Wendell Carter. They have to figure those two guys out. That's the only chance that we have in an over here right now. And that's why, you know, I... I tabbed them as as an under. They're I have gonna, them under as well. House? They're, they're not going to be as good on defense. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. The only thing that would tip me to the over is how bad Jim Boylan was and how much they detested him and that galvanizing effect of getting Boylan the fuck out of there and letting this team like come together and feel like they have a coach in their corner. Actually, you know what? I'm going to take the over. I just talked myself into it. Wait, but <laughs> you got to All right, so you got to wonder how many wins does losing your leadership council cost a team? I, I had that pencil for 5. Uh Orlando is 30 and a half. They are minus 215 to miss the playoffs, plus 172 to make the playoffs. They signed Markel Fultz Three years, 50 million today. Again, another staggering contract that I just couldn't make sense of. But 
I, I, I think they it. were they're so high on him. I think they were afraid that he was going to have a better year and then the price was going to go up. So I think they were trying to be proactive about the opportunities wow. and production they're going to get. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, see. <laughs> we'll see. Evan Fournier, to nobody's surprise, opted into his 18.1 million player option. Uh, Aaron Gordon, I even I've given up at this point waiting for him to be an all-NBA guy. <laughs> Vucevic, whatever. All-NBA, gosh. Uh Cole Anthony has looked intriguing as a 25 to one rookie of the year possibility. If he's somebody that actually plays 30 minutes a game for them. Um, I look 30.5 wins means that's like 36 and 46 range. I, this is another under for me. I'm just going to keep going under. What do you guys have? <laughs> they look the exact same to me as, as last year. And I, there's a reason for that. They're, they're basically the exact same as last year out of pure respect to Steve Clifford. This is, I, I think I've gone, I've only had two unders in the East, but I'm going to go ahead and, and do a tiny over for, for Orlando, a half game over for, for the Orlando magic. I mean, I think they're at 31. You know, Rosilla, one of the traditions of this pod is house doing like 22 overs and eight it, unders. And then people getting mad that he didn't do the math correctly. But look, everybody has a strategy and apparently that's his strategy. What do you have for this over under? Yeah, I mean, the, the idea that you're just supposed to do 15 and 15, that, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. It, 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 I just... had a strategy for this conference where I really thought it was top-heavy from Washington on up. That's what and I'm doing. everybody I'm down doing the was same under, thing. and I'm just right. basically... Di- I went over for every team except Toronto <laughs> and, uh, and Milwaukee, I guess. But, so you're um, saying this could have been 15 minutes and not three hours? Uh, yeah. Orlando's not the same, though. There's no Jonathan Isaac. They're not going to have him for the entire year. So this was going to be one of my locks. It was going to be a lock over because I feel like the Magic just trudge along. And next thing you know, they've won some games because the Fultz, I'm probably not as high on him as others are, but the Fultz, Gordon, Fournier, Vucevic combo, is it okay for me to say that's not terrible? I mean, it was a playoff group last year, even without Isaac. I mean, 30... 31 projects to 35. Give me the over. Okay. I just look at that. This is the rare, this is maybe the most uninspiring roster in the league for me, just for me personally. I, I just judge us by league pass. How do you rope me in if I'm flicking channels? I just don't feel like the magic are ever roping me in in any situation. Detroit has already roped me in. I've watched a whole half of preseason Detroit. What was that like? I don't know what the fuck is going on with this team. They, in, in no short order, they have Killian Hayes, DeLon Wright, Jeremy Grant, Blake Griffin, who looked pretty good in the preseason like, and is a sneaky trade candidate. Mason Plumley, Derek Rose, Sekou Dumbaya, um, and uh, Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay, who I did you leave out they, Josh Jackson? They signed Josh Jackson and Josh. It's just it's a mess. And they have Jaleel Okafor too. I, I don't know what the fuck's going on. They signed team. Jaleel Okafor. I think he got a second year. Listen, the biggest thing for them is they better hope <laughs> they better hope uh, Halliburton isn't a lot better than Killian Hayes because that is bad coming out of the gate. That's bad for Killian Hayes. The whole thing. If if Halliburton is just clearly better right away bad. Uh, the most encouraging thing for them is Blake actually looks pretty good. That's why I watched the half of the preseason. Cause I was like, how does he look? Does he seem like he's athletic again? I mean, he's not Clippers lob city athletic, but would you trade Marcus smart for him right now? What else do I have to throw in to make the contracts work? Romeo Langford, Grant Williams. Yeah, fuck. Probably not. Um, I am, uh, I'm going 
I can't believe I'm saying this. This is the only over I have for other shitty teams. The over under is 23 and a half, which translates to like a 28 and 54 team. They have a lot of professionals on this team. I, I'm going to sneaky. What? I'm going to go over. I'm going to go slightly over. I'm under. Blake played 18 games. I, I don't even know if he's on the team at the end of the year. So that I'm factoring in. I'm doing the house here where I'm projecting trades that likely won't happen. I still can't believe what they did this offseason. I mean, none. Sometimes I give guys benefit of the doubt. Hey, I don't really know all the deals. Obviously, I don't know all the deals. I don't know the stuff that you're you're held. But this one, this one should be taught in some sort of course because I have no idea what they were doing. So that was why I I'm changing my mind. You changed your mind earlier. I'm going under. I don't know what I was thinking. The thing, <laughs> the thing with the over is just. They have a lot of guys who are actually like competent separately. They just make no sense together. And half of them are like badly overpaid. Um, but yeah, you're right. I'm going under house. It's an under, I, I don't want to belabor it any. I mean, they, they, uh, Christian Wood, Andre Drummond, Tony Snell, Langston Galloway, Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard. They were all on the team last year and they're not on the team anymore. And that's not like, you know, a uh, murderer's row. They we weren't exactly banging on the door to make the playoffs last year. But what they replaced all those guys with is um, Jeremy Grant. Congratulate And Killian Hayes. Congrats. And Plumley. Yes. And Plumley. I just worry about the signing and, of Plumley. And Devon Wright. O- right. But when you bring in Grant, you bring in Plumley, you bring in Okafor. Does this mean you just... I think this stunts Dumboya's growth and development. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sekou deserves better. <laughs> Come on, Sekou. Uh, Detroit was the winner of the, were those guys drunk off season award? I, I just don't understand anything they did. And, uh, and the one case for them going over would be if Blake was just really good again. Yeah, that's fine. That actually, that's, that's an easy pathway to do because the number's so low, but I'm just going with the Blake healthy Blake still on the team. Route. Knicks, Knicks over under is 21 and a half, which translates to 26 wins. They are plus 1300 to make the playoffs. This is a clear under to me. I do like what I've seen from RJ Barrett this year, though, and I like that they're playing him, you know, different positions, things like that. Toppin's going to be fun. Team's a mess. I don't know what what the fuck um, the goal is other than for them to be bad, which I think was the goal. House, what do you think? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. This is the Cade Cunningham sweepstakes between the Knicks, Oklahoma City, and Cleveland. And, and Minnesota. Like- Throw and Minnesota Mi- in there. <laughs> I'm Minnesota. Please throw Minnesota in there. I'm not ready to Minnesota's do it. not I'm, doesn't think they're in it. I'm throwing Minnesota <laughs> in there. I'm Minnesota. personally throwing them in. Well, that would be the best team for him to go to um, because they already have a superstar. But uh, yeah, I th- this Knicks team, I feel bad for all my friends from New York. Oh, wait a second. No, I don't. I love it when the New York teams stink and they all stink. <laughs> <laughs> the Knicks stink. Toppin's going to be fun, though. I don't know yeah. if he's rookie of the year fun, but he'll be fun. He'll have no, some highlights. No, he'll be terrific to watch. I enjoy watching him. I like yeah. that they gave him Stoudemire's old number. What do you think, Priscilla? I thought Oklahoma City had the least interesting starting five until I started really breaking down this depth chart. But the weird part of it is if Mitchell Robinson starting, Toppin starting, Knox figures things out, R.J. Barrett's there. The only reason it's interesting is that it's unknown and it's really young because mm-hmm. Mitchell Robinson, there's something there. Knox is pretty disappointing based on the scouting reports and how many teams really did like him. And now it's like, uh uh-oh. And Toppin, I think Toppin's probably the best bet for rookie of the year because all he has to do, he's going to be, he's going to be highlight dunks all the time. And 
there's no clear path for some of the other guys. So if we're doing rookie of the year stuff a little bit later, he's definitely the guy's at the top of my list. But the Peyton Burks backcourt, RJ, you know, they got to figure out how to, to get like RJ's the, the the asset, right? So do everything you can to get RJ going in the right direction. And as much as I love Thibodeau, he's been as impressive as anyone I've ever talked basketball with. I, I don't understand the fit here at all. I don't. So I don't. And there's a case for him and Van Gundy being guys that just were more successful in the league was different 10 years ago. And maybe that's not going to translate. Toppin is six to one to win rookie of the year. The most important thing for this team, and this is my fifth prediction of the podcast. I, I'm still a big RJ Barrett believer, and I think he's going to have a really big year. And I think if they can come out of this season, just building up RJ Barrett and Toppin, because I think the rest of these guys, whatever, you know, and probably, yeah, I know some Knicks fans love Mitchell Robinson. I'm a little more lukewarm. But at least if they could turn RJ and Toppin into assets, um, that does a bunch of nice things for them long term. Because I, I still like Barrett. I don't think it's fault that Zion and Ja were the two picks in front of him. Like, you know, it's nothing he did. But uh, uh, we're all going under. And then we're all going under, I'm sure, for the Cleveland Cavaliers at 22 and a half. This could have been Th 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, talk Who's about their a weird best team. player. Who's their best player? I feel bad for Okoro because I actually was excited to watch him in the pros. He's on this team with two point guards and two big guys who can't play together, and it's just kind of a goofy team. I don't get it. No, and Garland Garland has to show something here quick because it wasn't very good last year, and he's somebody I liked. Sexton put up numbers. Porter Junior is actually a nice nice asset, you know, depending on what you think of them, but where they draft them and all that kind of stuff. But look, they re-signed Love and they, they've they always asked for assets back for Love and the teams that are interested in Love have said, no, if we're trading for them, we're doing you the favor. It's been the standoff for like two years. So I don't know if any of that stuff happens. But um, And Larry Nance is a good player. He is a good player. And he's, he's kind of stuck there as well. So I mean, I shouldn't say 10 wins. That's not fair because I think they're actually better than Ele the Knicks. 11. Yeah. Wait, like, who do you think? Seven game series, Knicks-Cavs. Who are you taking? Probably taking the Cavs, actually. How so fun would I, that be? Yeah, Probably as I Cavs. make that joke, that'd be great. I agree. I would watch every make one best of those. Of nine. Let's go. I, I, all kidding aside, I like Garland and Sexton. I think they, they, you know, with the proper development, I have no idea whether or not that's going to happen in Cleveland. But uh, I well, think since, both of them. Since we're outing ourselves with the Cavs, I've. I kind of like Kevin Porter Jr. last year. I thought he's pretty good. <laughs> he had some yeah. <laughs> As I said that 10 line, like I go, wait, you just got done talking about the Knicks. That's not fair. So I apologize. I'd like to retract that to the city of Cleveland. Are any of us taking the over? No. Okay. All right. It's time. Actually, let's do an ad and then we'll do locks. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Unlike this podcast, some things in life should be boring, like banking because boring is pragmatic and responsible, level-headed, wise, all the things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be exciting. Exciting is for three-point buzzer beaters, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money, because when your money is doing what you need it to, you can do all the unboring things you want to do with it. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group. Inc. PNC Bank National Association. Member FDIC. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash in every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 
1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple card or virtual card member. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. All right. I am now, we're nearing the three-hour mark of this podcast, but you know what? It's the holidays and it was our gift to you and, and our gift to Kyle, who, who's probably drinking at this point. Um, we're going to go through all of our picks and everybody has to say what their locks are. You can use between five and seven locks. First one, Lakers. I went over, Rosilla went under, House went over. Anybody want to use a lock for that? No. No. All right. I'm going to read everything. You stop me when you want to do a lock. Clippers, 48 and a half. We all went under. Lock. Okay. House is, I love the under here. House is That's on a the, Paul George hate bet. <laughs> House is doing a lot of hate betting as we had the 2020s. Hate betting against Matt Ryan and now Paul George. Denver Nuggets, 44 and a half. We all went over. Dallas Mavericks, 42 and a half. I went over. You guys both went under. Golden State Warriors, 38 and a half. All three of us went under. And I almost want to do a lock for that, but I, I like rooting for the Warriors to, to be good because it's good for basketball. So I'm avoiding it. Utah, 41 and a half. We all went over. Lock. lock. Ooh, okay. wow. I'm double, on the same lock as Rosillo. Double lock. Okay. Portland Trailblazers, 39 and a half. I went over, house went over, Rosilla went under. I am doing a lock for this one. Nobody else? All right. Nope. You guys will regret that. Phoenix Suns, me and house went over. Rosillo goes under at 37 and a half. No locks. Rockets, 35 and a half. Me under, Rosillo under, house over. Pelicans, 33 and a half. Me under. Rosilla over. House over. Grizzlies, 31 and a half. I am going over as a lock. Rosilla under. House over. I'm joining you on the lock. I okay. love this over. Shout out to Verno. Um, next one. San Antonio Spurs, 29 and a half. All three of us go under. Lock. Okay. Ooh. Sacramento Kings, 27 and a half. Under for me, under for house. Rosello just being a dick with a zag goes over. 27 and a half. Uh, no locks across the board. Minnesota, 29 and a half. I'm going under as a lock. Rosello went under. House went over for some reason. Oklahoma City, 20 and a half. All three of us go under. Uh, lock. Okay. That's such a low number, but I, I don't. I mean, Horford could get traded. George Hill's probably going to get it traded, you know? Uh, you're betting against Poku. They, they said he might be at 195 pounds by February. Poku is the evolutionary Alexei Petrov. <laughs> Congrats. More handle. Better handle. Yeah, better I, handle. Uh, Vision. So 20 and a half would be 26 and 56 in a real season? 20 and a half is 20, well, 21 is 23. Yeah. 23 and 59. Oh, they're not doing that. I'm going lock. I'm locking that one down. House, you sure you don't want to lock the under I'm not, OKC? No, because I don't want to have to watch anything. It's such to a do low number, man. So, I mean, when you're in the teens on a teen projection for, all right, but I, I still think that some of those guys might not be on the team. Like what's, when you have 18 draft picks, don't you want 20? Yeah. Milwaukee, 
50 and a half. I went under. Rosillo went under. House went over. That was the Brooklyn, one you got me to change my mind on. Yeah. Brooklyn, 45 and a half. I went over as a lock. Yeah, I'm joining that lock. House lock. over Three-way lock. lock. Three-way, Three-way lock. lock. Wow. Nash is not going to be happy. <laughs> um, Boston, he's not the South- real head coach. He's, he's the relationship manager. They don't even need a coach, dude. Exactly. Boston, Boston Celtics, <laughs> 44 and a half. Under for me. Under for Rosillo. Over for House. Miami Heat, 43 and a half. Over all three of us. Toronto, 42 and a half. Under for me and House. Over for Rosillo. Philadelphia 76ers. 42 and a half. All three of us went over. No locks. Indiana, 37 and a half. All three of us went over. That's a lock for me. Lock it in. You Ooh, want that one Rosillo. too, Rosillo? Yeah. All right. Wow. I am also going to lock that in. Oh, no. <laughs> We're fucked. Now, you know what? I'm rescinding my lock. Lock it'll rescinded. More, it'll be more fun to root against that one now. I am locking down this next one. The Wizards over 33 and a half. I have the over. All three of us had the over. I'm locking that. I'm, I'm not locking it. Okay. I love it. I love the World Bank United Ooh. Nations Wizards. Another lock for me. The Atlanta Hawks <laughs> under 35 Bessie. and a half. I was saving my lock for this one. This one I can't wait. I love uh, rooting against this team. Rosillo, come on, under. join us I'm on gonna, this. Lock it in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right, Charlotte, 26 and a half. We all went under. Chicago, 28 and a half. Rosillo and I went under. House went over. I, I think House was groggy at this point. Orlando, 30 and a half. I went under. Both of you guys went over. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We okay. love that. We love that culture there. Fournier. Detroit, 23 and a half. We all went under. Knicks, 21 and a half. We all went under. Cavs, 22 and a half. House and I went under. Rosillo went under, but I felt like in his heart he wanted to go over. I just don't think <laughs> he just didn't, couldn't summon the testosterone guess, for it. But you thought just, about it. Yeah. You know, when I, my favorite thing is those starting five depth charts because until you're, you know, unless you're doing it every single day, there'll be a moment where you start looking at it again and you go, oh my God. And yeah. I just don't think I should have been as, as harsh about Cleveland as I was some of those other teams. Like when I saw Oklahoma City starting five, I went, some of these guys are going to shoot in games. Right. House. I fell, I fell a little flat. Well, I'm sorry. Yes. No, no, it's good. We're almost at the end. <laughs> House, I think you used too many locks. What do you mean? I Hold used on. six. I see one. I'm done. I, did you use eight? What if he's just to, super passionate right. about his, his pick? Listen, you locked a lot of stuff down. Okay. I don't think um, I did. Quickly, before we go, let's do um, MVP. Um, where is it? MVP. The, it's not who you think is going to win. It's what you think the best bet is. Right. Luca's plus 410, Giannis plus 480. This is all on FanDuel. Steph Curry plus 850, Davis 10 to 1, Durant 10 to 1, Harden 13 to 1, LeBron 15 to 1, Dame 19 to 1, Kawhi 19 to 1, Tatum's 26 to 1. Just looking at guys who could actually, that's really it. Uh, Durant at 10 to 1 is insane value, okay? Because remember, voters vote for the story and they get sick of people they voted for 
Harden's never going to win again, okay? Harden's never going to win again because they're like, wait, Giannis would have to score 50 a game to, to win this year. I'm not saying he can't win again. There's a LeBron version of this that if he went all out because he won it and it was given to Giannis that maybe that would happen. So LeBron plus 700 is good value here. But Durant at 10 to 1, and if they're good, if they're the one or two seed like we think, and he puts up together like a full awesome Durant season, even if it's if it's a just a touch off from peak Durant, all the voters are going to be like, everything he went through, oh my God, this line's going to move after this podcast because Vegas is not adjusted for the comeback story vote. Well, it's dropped from 13 to 1 to 10 to 1 on FanDuel, but it's still too high. LeBron's 15 to 1, by the way. I think Durant should be the third. I think he should be third in line. Luca, I'm fine with as the favorite. I think he's going to win. Giannis plus 480 out of respect. I think Durant should be 5 to 1. House, what do you think about uh, the 10 to 1 odds? It seems too yeah. high. I'm, give me a second. I'm online right now. I'm bettering, betting it. I'm literally <laughs> my computer. I'm betting it. I'm betting uh, Durant at 10 to 1. But honestly, I think um, of equal value is Anthony Davis at yep. that same number because I think we, we've we slightly underestimated the power and impact of LeBron and LeBron's media machine if mm. we are in agreement that LeBron is going to rest use the regular season to get himself in proper condition for the playoffs. Isn't it important to his legacy, his impact on the league, the sway that he holds over the players to demonstrate to everybody that the OG can take his apprentice and put him up on the pedestal? Doesn't yeah. that represent MJ never did that. Who else did that in, in, in the last 30 years? What great player took a teammate and elevated that teammate into an MVP position? I think that story is not equally compelling to the Durant story because the Durant story is so wonderful, but it is a story and don't underestimate the power of the LeBron James media machine. Here's the move. I can't bet on this because I have a vote. If you bet 100 on Doncic, you bet 100 at, at plus 410. You bet 100 on Davis at 10 to 1. You bet 100 on Durant at 10 to 1. And you just basically said, I think one of these three guys are winning the MVP. You're winning money no matter who wins. And I think that's the move. I think Luca's probably going to win. He might get hurt. Who knows? And Davis and Durant are the other two. And I don't really see anybody else winning the MVP this year. Those would be my... It, Giannis, is, as Rosilla said, he's not winning this year. It's not happening. Uh, rookie of the year. So this is such a mess. Cole Anthony is now 27 to one, by the way. I, I don't think it's going to be LaMelo, but I don't know who it is. I, I like the top and call six to one with the Knicks just trying to get him rookie of the year. Just Wiseman, the dunks alone. You know, right. they're going to be sick. Right. Wiseman plus 750 is interesting. Um, it, that would be the case for that would be the Warriors are actually better than we thought. And Wiseman's a huge piece of it. Halliburton at 20 to one, just because from a talent standpoint, he should be there. Other than that, I don't know. Anybody, you guys have anybody you like? I just think Wiseman's at least, I mean, they are pumping him up big time. That um, There is a either complete, I, I don't think they're bullshitting because I, I think they've had I don't think for so a either. while, right? So I think Bill and I may have a little insight on that. But they're they're like freaking out about what it's like running around with this guy. So I don't know. I have two rookie of the year bets. One is James Wiseman at at uh, the price that you just said BS. And then of course I bet Denny Abdija at fifteen to one by by my books odds because of what Russell Westbrook he might let Denny eat, and we mm. all want to eat with Denny and at Denny's. 
So I had to put a little taste on my whiz. Uh, uh, who might be 27, he might be 17, he might be somewhere in between there. But he looks like he's been playing basketball for for 15 years with grown-ass men. So that's my my uh, long shot bet for rookie of the year. His odds have moved to 12 to 1 on FanDuel. So he's actually like the odds are getting oh, better. They're, they're getting worse for value. Kill, They're getting worse for KOC's guy Killian Hayes. They've dropped to uh, plus 950. I think as people watch the preseason, it's like, wait a second, is he hurt? No, no, that's just the speed he's moving at. I hope he makes it. He just seems too slow to me. I don't see it, but I guess we'll find out. The uh, Oh, a couple more really quick. The regular season scoring title, I just wanted to talk about quickly. Harden is the favorite at plus 170. He beat everybody by five points last year. Doncic is second, plus 470. Trey Young is 12 to 1. Lillard is 9 to 1. Curry is 10 to 1. Booker is 19 to 1. Giannis is plus 750. If you're just if you're if you're saying Harden's not going to win the scoring title, who is going to win the scoring title? I think Booker's at a great spot. I mean, he's never going to have. It's never. He's going to be like, wait, this is what it's like playing with Chris Paul. He's nineteen to one. Yeah. What do you think, House? That's worth fifty bucks. I mean, that that's that's great return out of that that whole group. Um, I like uh, Luca better than I like Luca's odds for MVP. I don't think there's any value in Luca at MVP, but I like his odds to 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 win the scoring title. Yeah, Luca was almost thirty a game last year. So Booker was twenty six point six last year. Uh, only shot thirty five percent from three. He made two a game, but the case for him making that would be if he bumps that to like maybe he makes three threes a game. That's another three points. He was 7.3 free throw attempts last year. Maybe that goes to eight. Um, That's a pretty good number, man. And then maybe he gets like, you know, his field goal percentage was 48.9 last year. Maybe that gets to like 49.5. I could see him getting the 30, 31 points potentially. So 19 to one is a good number. Uh, And then what was the other one I had for you guys? Uh, what, how long this podcast was going to go? Yeah. <laughs> My th- mine's over three hours. Yeah. <laughs> oh, most improved was the last one. Jarrett ja- Culver. John ja- um, ja- Moran is 24 to one. If John ja Morant became like a third team all NBA guy, is that enough to actually win the most? I, I, I don't really understand the most improved player award, but if John ja Morant goes from being like a really good rookie on a team that, lost in the bubble playoffs versus... Oh, I got your lock. I, yeah, no, that's a good one. That's a good one, but I got okay. a lock for you. Gordon Hayward. <laughs> I have odds for this. 65 I love to when 1. You, when you Boston guys, when a guy, you get to kick his ass out of town and then try and shit on him on the on the way out. Nobody's talking um, about. What What's Zion at? What's Zion at? Zion's 18 to 1. Taylor Horton Tucker is 33 to 1. <laughs> Surprised the odds are that good. Michael Porter Jr. is 16 to 1, Rosilla. And then uh, my sleeper for this category, Lori Marketed at 49 to 1. I can I, I hope so. I hope he wins it. I like Lori Marketed. And now that they didn't sign him to the extension, I think it would be hilarious if he but, was but, just all of a sudden like Dirk Nowitzki circa 2000. The extension thing, though, on the restricted guys is one of the biggest. Like, it's great the guys that got their money, but then it's like, oh, the Pels didn't sign Lonzo. Okay, let's see what happens. Let's see how the season goes. We have yeah. decisions to make. And if you get a number and we want to match it, then guess what? We'll go ahead and match it. It's not that big of a deal. All right, my restricted free agent rant is over. 
that's a good place for us to end. Rosillo, I'm sorry I didn't sell your joke 20, 20 minutes ago. House, um, I'm hungry. Con- congrats on the Wizards. I Thank mean, congrats. You. I, it, it really is. It's a, a professional basketball team. This is great for you. I'm thrilled. I, I mean, you know, uh, I've said 10,000 bad things about Russell Westbrook, but you know what? It's 2020 and it's the holiday season and I'm happy to have him on my team. What is your single favorite lock that you had today before we go? Uh, the Atlanta under. It's going to make me so happy to root against them all season long. <laughs> what do you have, Rosillo? I just like my evaluating, or, or I should put it this way, revisiting our third star rule, the big three rule, and that really what we should be talking about is the power twos mm. because we were a decade strong with who's your third guy, who's your third guy. We said the same shit to the Lakers the whole time. Rondo was sort of their third guy. It didn't matter. They never had it. And when you look around the league, that third guy thing isn't as prevalent. So you're not really fighting against it. So it's not as much of a need. My favorite lock, the most fun to root for is going to be Atlanta. But my favorite lock is the Wizards. I really think they're a 500 team. And that's going to be enough to win money. Joe House, thank you. Ryan Rosillo, thank you. You can hear House on the Ringer NFL show and on Fairway Roll. And you can hear Ryan Rosillo on his own podcast. I can't wait for basketball to come back. Enjoy the week of hoops. And uh, don't forget to check out the Ringer Podcast Network and theringer.com as well. Happy holidays. Back with one more podcast uh, that we're dropping on Christmas Day that I'll tape before. Then, good to see you guys. <laughs>